The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. G'day world, this is the Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dobbin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa. On today's show, we will preview Wrestle Kingdom 18 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Guys, it is Wrestle Kingdom season, baby. We're... Almost there, just a few short days away from the the biggest show of the year. We made it. We're going to get there. We're going to make <laughs> it to the next Wrestle Kingdom again. Yes. The next one, maybe, but we're this one's definitely going to happen. I don't this know about the next the one. This is the next one. This <laughs> oh, okay. is the next one. The next one is in, what, eight days? Seven days? Nine days? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how math works, <laughs> ironically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. This yeah. is This is my kickoff, my tour kickoff show. So that's sort of a lie. I talked to WeWork Stiff already, but um, I don't think that's out yet. So this is the first time people will hear my hot, sizzling Wrestle Kingdom takes. So I'm <laughs> excited to share them. Yeah, it's always uh, great to have you on for our, our big Wrestle Kingdom preview, one of our uh, most downloaded episodes of the year. Everybody's excited for uh, Tokyo Dome. Thanks to being another uh, great preview episode here. Uh, before we jump into stuff, though, just a, a few plugs we got to do. So last week, we did interview the current strong openweight tag team champions, El Fantasmo and Hikaleo. So that interview is separate on uh, both the Keep It In Strong Style feed and the Social Suplex Network feed. So check out that interview. Also, last week, our Christmas special, the FOH Draft. That's uh, a collaboration between me, Josh, and Rich and James from One Nation Radio, that went up on our PayHip store, payhip.com slash social suplex. In uh, less than 24 hours, we smashed the donation record from last year. So shout out to everybody who uh, donated and uh, said has been enjoying uh, this year's FOH draft. So appreciate the love there. And then like Chris mentioned, um, you know, we work stiff. They're doing a big uh, Wrestle Kingdom project and 
we were on with them uh, before this recording. And so whenever that drops, make sure you check that episode out too. So now that the plugs are out of the way, let's uh, let's talk about some New Japan Pro Wrestling. So first, we have to talk about the Road to Tokyo Dome shows. We'll go over those uh, quickly, and then we'll get to what people are, are here for, our Wrestle Kingdom 18 takes uh, and opinions. Uh, so we have the Road to Tokyo Dome kicking off uh, last Thursday, December 21st. Uh, and so show opened up, we had Mass Bolton and Mask Horse defeating Tiger Mask and Toriano, four minutes and 21 seconds. This is obviously the, the annual return of uh, Mask Horse, the, the man who was abandoned by his family, uh, raised by horses and abandoned by the horses and then raised by wrestlers and has seemed to found a, a compadre there in Mask Bolton. Felt like uh, Fantastic Mania came early. A lot of masks in this match. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Such such a tragic story, really. I mean, it's just. I mean, you love to hear that the wrestlers were kind enough to bring him in. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, what else more is there to say? Yeah, they, they should make a movie about the the life of, of Mask Horse. <laughs> it would be incredible. <laughs> the um that Mask Bolton guy though, the, New Japan should look into him. He was looking pretty buff and uh, very very uh you know. He's tossing tossing guys around. He's very uh, strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following that, we had uh, the TMDK team of Kosei Fujita and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating the Youngblood tag team of Oscar Loibe and Uto Nakashima. 10 minutes and 22 seconds. We had a question here from Tronzilla2. Should NJPW get fully behind Oscar Loibe as the next Gaijin ace since Tony Khan man doesn't seem to care for big men anyways? <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, I got a lot of big guys over there, but uh, I don't know if it just works quite that way. It's not like they can just be like, all right, this is our guy. We pick him. Now you have to stick with us and be the ace. And this is, and we're pushing you to the moon. Like, I think it's a little bit more involved than just that, you know? I'm a big fan of Oscar. Um, but he's, you know, he's still in the black trunks. He's still in the, in the boots. Um, he likes a lot of my online content though. So I do appreciate that. Shout out to Oscar. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work that way. I think, um, I think guys, uh, get over and then they run with it. So I think that's the best thing Oscar can do. He's, he rocks though. I think he's gonna, he's got, he's got something different for new Japan and he's got something, um, that I think like new Japan really enjoys too. Like the, the crowd and the fan base over there really enjoys kind of the big white dudes that like you know, tower over everyone. And I, it's a certain style that's always worked there. So I, I'm looking forward to, you know, kind of keeping up with the rest of his career. I think he's got a really good, he, he picked the right place to go if he wants to, you know, kind of have a long-term run with this thing. So, and I think he's, I think it's catching on. Yeah. I put a, a lot of my uh, young lion stock in Oscar. I, I think the guy is great, but you know, it's, it's the young lion phase right now. Um, you know, there's been a, a lot of young lions that you see them and you're like, oh, they're going to be great. And then they either quit or they get hurt or stuff happens. So, you know, hopefully he has a, a healthy rest of his career, keeps the motivation, gets a great excursion, and then comes back and can be hitting the, the ground running from there. But as of right now, yeah, I think he's awesome and he potentially could be a big player once he comes back from excursion. What ex- what exchange does your uh, young lion stock trade on? Uh, the, the same one as the the Ric Flair Woo coin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Next matchup, we had uh, Callum Newman, uh, Francisco Akira, and TJP defeating the Bullet Club War Dogs team of Clark Connors, Drilla Maloney, and Gato. And uh, prior to this match, uh, the champions, they did roll out a casket and talked about Catch 2-2 not wanting to stay dead, and they're going to have to put these guys in the ground. And so post-match, TJP challenged them to a... Uh, coffin casket match for the previous night, which originally we were supposed to get two preview singles, and uh, they ended up doing the the tag team coffin match. We were supposed to get the Heyman special. You know that's how that was going to go. We called it on the show last week. We're like, oh yeah, we're we're going to get the Heyman special. First match will happen, and then the other guys will run out, and we'll get the next match. And yeah, which is one of my favorite tropes in wrestling. I feel it's so underused. Um. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. I can't support this. Truthfully, <laughs> like I don't. What do you say? What do you say about? I think that there's something going on with TJP. Um, some sort of. I I, I think it'll pay off. There, there's got to be a reason they did this casket. This couldn't have just been random, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was sort of alarming that you're like, wait, what in the world is happening right now? Um, and then you know they booked the they you know rebooked the match for the next night which was also sort of alarming. It's just such a strange thing for New Japan to do. Um, yeah, this this particular match was fine. It was mostly centered around building the next day and, and figuring that whole thing out. But um, yeah, I think something's happening. There's yeah, there's there's got to be a reason, right? I hate to I hate to be that guy <laughs> that's like, let it play out. But I guess that's where I'm at. Uh, they made liars out of this podcast. We said that we were getting the Heyman special. Didn't happen. Uh, I disagree, Chris. You said that that's an underutilized tactic, but it's not in New Japan. We get it like two times a year. Yeah, but that's like still not enough <laughs> for road two shows. <laughs> but I, uh, here's the thing: like I love splitting tag teams and do. And we lost you there for a second. You said you love splitting yeah. tag teams. Yeah, so I love I love when they split up the tag teams and do the singles matches because it's sort of the opposite of a preview tag. And I think, and we're, we're always talking about preview tags, and preview tags are always getting kind of thrown under the bus as this like meaningless thing. They're not, but I love the opposite when you split the teams up, do the singles, and then get the tag team back together for the big match. So um, I was really looking forward to that. Um, so I was upset. Remember when Jericho back in the day would go to Eric Bischoff and be like, I want to do this thing. Can you just give me like 15 minutes or whatever? Go out, or like a few minutes before a match, go out there and just do it. And Bischoff's like, yeah, as long as you don't go over time, just go do it. I feel like that's what's happening here. Like Gato doesn't give a fuck about what's going on with the junior tag team. It's like, we want to do a coffin match tomorrow. Like, is it okay? And he's like, yeah, as long as you guys don't go over time, just fucking whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the junior tag division should be Gato's like favorite. Yeah, but if if he lets them do this, they'll have so much more room for activities. So <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. whatever, just go do it. Like, don't bother me. I, I do have some reasoning, I think, at least to why they potentially kind of did this angle matchup, but it, it will spoil my prediction. So I'll, I'll touch on that when we we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so following that, we had the House of Torture team of Evil, Ren Narita, and Cho defeating Master Wato, Shota Umino, and Tomioka Hanma. Eight minutes and 35 seconds. We got uh, the debut of Ren Narita's new music, his new gear, the, the you know, Empire Strikes Back cloak, <laughs> Emperor cloak thing. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about Narita's new look, new music? He stole it from, uh, 
what was Pac's name before he was Pac? Adrian Neville? Yeah. Neville? No, yeah. Neville just oh, had a cape. cape. Had a cape. He never had the hood. Uh, are you so sure about that? I feel like he had a hood at one point. Uh, I just remember the purple cape. Maybe he did have a hood. I don't remember. Nothing uh, Nothing about that that period of that man's career would surprise me. So <laughs> there, there could certainly have been a hood. I thought his theme was a banger, um, as are all the House of Torture themes. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, the look, I mean, you know, these things evolve. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, assuming this thing, I don't I don't think it necessarily like came together quickly, but um, I think... I think the look is gonna come with time. It could be. It could have been way worse. They got tracksuits though. I don't know if you saw that house torture tracksuit. If you want one, it's available. No, I didn't see that. No. <laughs> well, we uh, know you have an affinity for uh, tracksuits, Chris. Hey, so. they listen. They just show up in the mail. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't speak to where my tracksuits come from. But well, well uh, whoever's sending you those tracksuits, give them mine and Jeremy's address because you know. I do always worry that someone's going to do a gag and send me like a house torture tracksuit. So, <laughs> and you know what? I'd have to wear it. Then what I'd have rib. to wear it for a whole year. I'm wearing an old old one tonight, but yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a rib. I'm worried now. Mine's supposed to be here in a couple of days. So I did, I did I'll see, let you know. I did see the new 2024 one. It looks tight. It's I, sick. I'm considering drop, dropping the yen and, and getting one of those. <laughs> It's good. I'm excited well, to hang, down, it, hang so. it over my chair here. <laughs> um, the, well, yeah, the yen is down. If you want that conversion rate, you can get one for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> um, I, I did like at least Narita being out of the, the fully black trunks. Um, I feel like that there was no separation between young line Narita and like quote unquote main roster graduated Narita. So at least there's some kind of design on the tights. Uh, the, the, the cape jacket hood thing, whatever, I think it's fine. I think it kind of works for what he's doing right now. But like we said, those things change and evolve. Uh, Post match, we had uh, Kaito Kiyomiya and Rey Oiwa hit the ring and uh, help out uh, Umino and guys there clear out the House of Torture. And we got the uh, the handshake between Kaito and Oiwa, which would set up a uh, their match for the Noah New Year show. And then we learned also about a tag match coming at Wrestle Kingdom next week as well. Then uh, following that, we had the LIJ team of Hiromu and Chingo defeating El Desperado and Satoshi Kojima. So pretty much it's a preview there for the junior heavyweight title match. Uh, then we had just five guys team of Doki, Sonata, and Yuya Yuomura taking on the LIJ team of Bushi, Naito, and Tsuji uh, with the just five guys team uh, getting the win here. And there was uh, this kind of played into the story between uh, Suji and Yumora, where uh, Yumora's wanting to uh, get a crack at Yota Suji. One thing you kind of glossed over, you forgot to mention that uh, Kojima just got beat with the clothesline. He, he got beat with the pumping bomber. Yeah, he lost to a clothesline. The, the alternate finish. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Well, I just I just noticed how you glossed over that. You just skipped real hey, fast hey, over that. Kojima, this man's been touring. He's probably jet lag. You know, he was doing the big, uh, you know, MLW. You know, facing <laughs> off again. And I'm sure you saw the abs in the con Curso. Yeah, I mean this this guy he's he's had a you know a very he busy, was weight drained. Yeah, busy December. Right. Yeah. Did you see all that bread he had to eat that was thrown in the MLW ring? He had to eat all, all, all that to, bread. He had to eat all the bread. He had to travel back to Japan. That was that was the coolest thing that's ever happened in MLW. I'm um, just, I'm um, just. I think that. Well, maybe not. Maybe 
maybe I don't know. It's up there. The bread throwing, <laughs> kind of like the chairs at ECW, it had the same vibe. You know, it really had that same energy. Yeah. I'm I'm just ready for 2024 for Kojima to be once again become MLW champion. All right. <laughs> uh so uh moving on um so after that we had uh the KOPW provisional 2023 title match the whiskey bottle ladder match Taichi defeated Yoshinobu Kanemaru in 25 minutes and 24 seconds to become the official 2023 KOPW champion I know there's a lot of unpacking you guys want to do for this match but one thing i just want to say it makes no fucking sense so they they clarified the rules at the beginning of the match whoever is the one to pull the centauri whiskey bottle down they're the only one they're, they're the only ones supposedly allowed to use it otherwise it's illegal but it's a ladder match where there's no dq you can use anything as a weapon and there's no DQ. So why is there a stipulation where you can't use the bottle, but you can use the ladder and you can use any, there's no count outs. There's no DQs. How does that make any sort of fucking sense whatsoever? Um, they didn't think it through at all before. Well, they they've done this before with ladder matches with the iron. They did the same thing with the iron fingers. Yeah. Other, I think WCW like that's the that's the bit when you do the ladder matches in New Japan with like a weird thing is that like you're supposed to only be the one be the only one that can use it, but it, it obviously never plays out that way. It should just be you're the first one able to use it. Like why? Also, let's why does Tai Chi love ladder matches so much? <laughs> I don't I don't think he does, but he gets put in them anyways. Well, this man has been in more ladder matches in New Japan than anyone else. It's gotta be. <laughs> Because there's only been like four of them. He's been in at least two. Tanahashi's been in two. Taichi's a Tana. closet uh, Jeff Hardy fan. Tana was in the Kenta one. No, he's been. No, that wasn't a ladder match. Wasn't it? No, it was no DQ. No, no it was just like a crazy no. He just jumped yeah. off the I ladder. only remember that Kenta, Kenta messed himself up coming off the ladder, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tana, what two has Tanahashi been in? He was in the one with Michael Elgin, right? Or was that Kenny Omega? That was Kenny. That was Kenny Omega. Never mind. It was supposed yeah. to be Kenny and Tana, but then T- uh, Tana That's got right. hurt. Yeah. No, Tanahashi was in, in uh, one. Of the, he was in the first one, the Triple Threat, from way back in the day. Way back, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Taichi is the Ladder King. Of, yeah, he's the Ladder King. My bad. He's the Ladder King of New Japan. So and bless his heart. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say about this match. I thought it was garbage. Yeah, it was. I'm a, glad it's over. Yeah, bit, yeah, it was a long, long matchup uh, involving all the shenanigans, several whiskey being blown in each other's face, poured on each other, several, several heat spots until yeah, Tai, tai Chi finally uh, came back, hit the uh, the Black Mephisto, and got the win there. So good moment there for Tai Chi ending the year as the official uh, KOPW champion. And then that took us to the main event for the evening, which was the never open weight six man tag team title match. The champions team hall of fame, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated the United Empire team of great Okan, Hanare and Jeff Cobb, 33 minutes and 31 seconds. Now this rocked. Um, I, I don't doubt this will make some top tens because it'll be fresh in people's mind at the end of the year for match of the year. So um, one, one to remember for the strong style year end awards next year, because um, it was good. Um, these guys, these guys really showed up and showed out. I, I, 
I don't really know what's gotten into like the team hall of fame, I guess we'll call them like, but they are just every time they hit the ring to defend those titles, like they're for real. Like it's as big as any other title match that, you know, Okada or Tanahashi or Ishii, like they put, they put out. So, um, you know, and, and, and no, uh, you know, no, no shame on it. Like they, they give everything they can give and they it's, it's, clearly these guys don't really have any like title thing. Well, I guess Tanahashi's in the TV title picture, but they're, they're using all their energy here, which I think is pretty neat. So love, love to see that. I mean, obviously we, we're some of the few that watched all the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the trios matches with Yoshihashi and, and, and Ishii and Goto and, that was a hell of a time at the Kings of Korokin. And, and this kind of took me back to those days where it's mm-hmm. like, you're like, you're like watching the match and like about 10 or 15 minutes in, you're like, I think this is good. And then mm-hmm. like 20 minutes in, you're like, this is good. And then like 30 minutes in, you're like, holy shit, this is good. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and then, then they go into the finish and, and whatever that looks like. So um, I thought they were going to drop them. Um, I didn't think Okada was going to walk into the dome with the with the never around his belt. And maybe he won't. I don't you know, I don't know. Um, but it's cool. I mean, I think it gives me a little hope for what they're going to do shortly thereafter or maybe something cool at Dash because mm-hmm. um, those those trios titles seem to pop up at Dash. So, um, yeah, I mean, not much more to say, except it, it was a banger. I don't have much more to add to that, Chris. You did a great job kind of surmising a lot of my feelings. But what I would say is if you haven't seen this match, go out of your way to catch it because it, it's got to be on the short list of best December new Japan matches. It's right up there with the new Japan finals between uh Bishamon and God 2.0. Maybe it's better. Um, and for a, a trio of guys that have had just an incredible run of title defenses for this final one of the year to be as good, if not maybe even the best that they've done including that, you know, very heralded one at Dominion with a Black Bull Combat Club. Like, this was incredible. And I, I too, thought they were going to drop it. What was really substantial, though, is at the very tail end, the the sequence of, of uh, just moves and, and, you know, spots between Hanare and Ishii. Like, that really made the match and told an incredible story. And I was very invested. I, I thought they were going to lose here and they, they did not drop the titles. And, uh, you know, uh, for a very tumultuous 2024 that we're kind of heading into with a lot of questions, I feel like Hanari did nothing but, you know, make a case for why his stock needs to rise next year. I mean, that's a five-star match if Hanari wins it, right? Like that, just the shock value of it all. I think people would have just been throwing fives at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not a match rater, but like that's that's kind of the conversation that I saw here and there is just like people were like, damn, I really wanted it. I wanted that. Like they got me to want that Hinari, that big Hinare win. Not and- me. I'm I'm never gonna vote with <laughs> I was like, come on, Ishii, you got him. <laughs> yeah, the the rivalry with Hinari and Ishii also goes back to his time as a young lion, and Ishii yep. has always kind of been that albatross around his neck that he just can't get over and has been, you know, trying desperately to beat. And there, there's been times where he's beaten Ishii and he, he did pin Ishii in the build up to this match. And so a lot of people, including ourselves, thought, all right, here's the big moment. Like they're finally going to win. And it's going to be Hanare pinning Ishii. And yet that closing sequence between both of them where there were so many great near falls between both of them. And yeah, I, I did think Han- uh, Hanare was eventually going to, cause he just kept kicking out and fighting back and 
Uh, but then, yeah, eventually, Team Hall of Fame, they were able to kind of get the numbers advantage and allow Ishii to hit that vertical drop, Brain Buster. So, yeah, definitely a very awesome match. It will, uh, as of right now, be a contender for the 2024 Tag Team Match of the Year for our Keeping a Strong Style Year in Awards, which are live right now. I forgot to plug that at the beginning of the show. So if you haven't already yet, go out and vote on our uh, 2023 year-end awards. You've only got a week left to do that, so. That's Someone right. Send me a reminder to do that, please. Will do. You've never voted in our awards. <laughs> I think I voted once. <laughs> uh, so then we had another Road 2 show the following day, December 22nd. Show opened up. We had Shoma Kato and Togi Makabe. Defeating Katsuya Murashima and Soshi Kojima. So uh, the two new young lions getting to, to mix it up there, uh, teaming with two veterans. Then uh, after that, we had Toro Yano and Yo defeating Masked Bolton and Masked Horse. Uh, so the, the Masked duo were not successful this night. Uh, then following that, we had the incredible singles match with Tomo Hiro Ishii defeating the Prince of Pace, Callum Newman. Show stealer. I mean, for anyone who was shoveling dirt on Ishii's career after he made it into the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, I mean, just these these two matches just highlight that he's still he's still that guy. He like he's still Tomohiro Ishii, like the one of the best to ever do it. So um, this was great. I mean, I love seeing Ishii in there with a small, fast guy. I think that's some of the best stuff he does. Um, which is why I think the New Japan Cup, like Ishii's got some great New Japan Cup matches with, you know, juniors or smaller guys, especially through the the pandemic when they were really loading it up, which is anyone they could find. And yeah, this was this kind of took me back to then too. So it's just kind of one of those one of those neat little things that they might have found just because they had to, and and now they can kind of tap into it when they need to. And Callum Newman looked great. Um, yeah, he, he was- looked like he could hang. Yeah, this was a big showcase for him. He, you know, he did a big uh, golden triangle moonsault, did an Oz cutter. Um, he reversed one of Ishii's running lariats into a Spanish fly. He was hitting all the big flippy do and big moves, and he did. A, he attempted a, a Phoenix splash at one point, but you know, landed on his feet, rolled through. So yeah, he got to fully unload his arsenal here on this match. It kind of felt like a big kind of reward for you know being in Japan the last several months, being on all these tours and. This big showcase match of Ishii, and yeah, it, it rocked. Yeah, I loved uh, Chris Charlton calling it and saying they're treating this like it's their Wrestle Kingdom match, and that's how they wrestled. It was pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Uh, then we had the IWGP Tag Team Champions Bishamon defeating the Young Blood team of Oscar and Yuto Nakashima. So pretty much, essentially, say a, a tune-up match for uh, Bishamon. Then we had uh, El Desperado and Master Wato taking on, uh, they defeated uh, Bushi and Hiromu. So again, another preview for the uh, Desperado and Hiromu match. Then following that, we had the tag team coffin match as the Bullet Club War Dogs defeated Catch 2-2. And, I mean, this was your typical throw them in the casket, try to fight for it to to close down, and... uh, wasn't necessarily the most uh, inventive or interesting casket match, although I did think it was a, a good match for what it was. Um, uh, part of me was kind of wondering, though, why we are getting this match right now when we're supposed to be getting this exact same match at Wrestle Kingdom anyways. Yes. Yeah. Well, not not with a casket. Not with a casket, but it seems weird to build to the title match with a, a casket match in between you know, this and super junior tag league, just kind of strange booking. 
Yeah. Yes. Bury me softly, brother. <laughs> so then uh, following that semi-main event, we had the Mega Aces, Tanahashi and Okada, defeating Vegeta and Zack Sabre Jr. So a uh, tune-up for uh, Okada and a preview for Tanahashi Sabre for the TV title. And then that took us to the main event, which was the Just Five Guys team of Sonata, Taichi, and Yu Yomura, defeating the LIJ team of Shingo, Naito, and Yota Suji. And the whole thing going into this match, Suji told Yomura, if you can pin me in this multi-man match, we will have a singles match. And so Yuya was able to uh, get the pin on Suji, which then they had the post-match, and Yuya challenged him, and they uh, set up their match for Wrestle Kingdom. And then we had that incredible post-match uh, speech from Sonata um, just before the, the snow fell in Corkin. He, you guys saw him go over to English commentary, right? <laughs> and he just said, "Too late." <laughs> and, then he, and while Tai Chi and Yuya went back to the ring to enjoy the snow, um, Sonata just left. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know what to think of this man. I I think he should have gone back to the ring. <laughs> but like, I could see myself being pretty annoyed that, you know, a planned uh, situation wasn't uh, executed at a proper time. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes things ghost you and, and that's this was how a it ghost. This is a rip. It Someone has to be. Back, it has like, to be, right? Yeah. Like, get a load of this. He, he thinks he's going to grab the mic. Boom. Snow. <laughs> it's just Okada giggling at the, at the, at the snow button. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird, though. Because uh, they were look. They kept looking up like they were ready for it. And it yeah. just, like, wasn't happening. Um, so I think something went... I think something went awry. Um, and... Sonata was very clear. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our Road to coverage. Now let's jump into what uh, everybody came here for, the Wrestle Kingdom 18 preview and prediction. So we'll start from the pre-show, work our way down to the main event. So uh, as usual, the show, the pre-show will open up with the NJPW KOPW uh, 2024 right to challenge Rambo match so this is you know the the pre-show battle royal and the final four men will then move on to New Year's Dash to compete in a four-way to determine the first provisional 2024 KOPW champion the final four wrestlers you don't know if it's going to be men Mercedes Monet may show up here you don't know excuse me you're right the the final four wrestlers you never know yeah Monet might show up. Luchasaurus, he's a dinosaur. He might show up. You, I, I don't want to assume. Miho Abe, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you guys think, Rambo? Who? Any any thoughts on who could potentially be in the final four? Well, Taichi's already the champion. They usually have the champion continue through. So, I'm, I'm guessing we'll at least get him. Uh, and, I think. And does it matter for anybody else after that? Really? I'm guessing maybe Jeff Cobb. He's not on the the main card. Ishii. We'll get your usual Rambo guys. And well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, anyone who's not on the card that's been in Japan recently is probably in the Rambo. Um, you'll get your Toriano, you'll get your Tai Chi. Um I do love a Rambo. I like when they go quickly though. So mm-hmm. like 
they haven't gone quickly Mm-mm. in recent years because um, <laughs> they're the only thing that they're putting on the pre-show and they put them an hour before the main card. Um, like there was the one with the handcuffs that was just like, yep. Yeah. I think it's still going. <laughs> uh, I, I, I used to love the Rambo. They used too. to have like a lot of like ROH talent, like cheeseburger and stuff. And they'd have like old legends show up and it was really fun and kind yeah. of, you know, unpredictable, but a few things I don't like lately is like, number one, they have a lot of great talents that you're like, Oh shit, that this person should be in the final forward, make a great match. But then inevitably they still get eliminated. You end up with like Yano and you know, whoever else, some comedy guys like, and, and there's always a bunch of house torture shenanigans and then them having the format where it's the final four instead of just a winner that kind of kills the, the vibe of the whole thing, but it, it's fun. Nonetheless, it's a great way to, kind of open the show before the show officially opens. So you wake up super early and, and this is the first thing you watch. But I mean, I have no illusions. I don't think it's going to be good. It's just going to be a bunch of guys that are pissed that they're not on the main show wearing t-shirts and getting, <laughs> getting their shit. In, and that's about it. This, this is when my pizza shows up. <laughs> yeah. About, about 1230 AM my time. Yeah, that's about, about when I can get the pizza delivered to the front porch and I can, <laughs> I can uh, get the pot of coffee on and and you know strap in for for a good time. Yeah, I think ending it with just four guys. It's also a weird clunky ending. You know, traditional battle royal. It's last man standing, and so it's always that clunk, kind of clunky. Oh, the match is over, kind of thing. And but yeah, it is what it is. Pre show, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, so then the main card will kick off with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match as the champions. The Bullet Club War Dogs team of Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney will defend against Catch 2-2, Francisco Akira, and TJP, the Super Junior Tag League winners. This should be great. I mean, you got a ton of talent in the ring. You got some smart guys. You got some younger guys. You got a lot of hungry talent. Um, Did you guys see Drilla Maloney's Concurso pictures? He is jacked. My God. Like... Have a glass of water, pal. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm concerned. Uh, still did, he still didn't win. <laughs> no, he finished second, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was yeah definitely looking really uh, shredded out there in those uh, concorso pictures. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this should be a great matchup. So these guys have uh, been feuding for a while. This is actually going to be their fourth match. Uh, so the record is 3-0, and oh, War Dogs up. So catch 2-2. Two, two, has failed to beat the War Dogs, and I feel like why they ended up doing the whole coffin match deal was to kind of get some extra heat for the War Dogs and really kind of drive home the fact of like, all right, these guys have catch Tutu's number. They've never been able to beat them. Now they literally put them in a coffin, like get all this heat, and then I think they're trying to get a nice like baby face reaction for catch Tutu winning and. I'm guessing TJP, since he's the one that got put in the casket, he will get the pinfall, and it'll be a kind of a big face moment for them. They'll get the big win and uh, be champions. Well, you know, TJP, for a while in the backstage, has been talking about, like, a rebirth and death and thematic sort of thing going on. And then uh, after they after he was the one that took the loss by going in the coffin, he's gone dark on all his social media and stuff. So, you know, typically in a more... Um, 
classical Western sort of branded wrestling company, you would expect this to lead to like a major character shift and a totally different story direction. And I think that's what they're sort of alluding to. But knowing New Japan's track record, it'll probably just be his excuse to have like a new presentation for Wrestle Kingdom and then it won't lead anywhere. And then they'll just kind of continue on and ignore that it ever happened <laughs> moving forward. But um, he'll probably do break have to- out a uh, United Empire design suicide uh, suit. <laughs> yeah, I, I did think about that. Like I saw people uh, kind of speculating maybe it'll be a suicide esque themed, uh, you know, attire or something like that. But, you know, another thing, too, is that the entire um, fate and future of of United Empire is very much in question moving forward. So if I'm those guys and I'm part of that group, I might be potentially trying to find an angle for myself post, you know, Will Ospreay world. And maybe that has something to do with this. But um, aside from the speculation of the story, these two teams, like you mentioned, um, Catch Two's never won, and I feel like this is their chance to get the big win and and kind of redeem themselves. And the match should be an incredible opener because anytime you put four guys this talented in that junior spot to open a dome show, they usually go balls to wall for about fifteen minutes. That's what I'm expecting here. I think it's going to be a great opener, and um, I think people will, you know, maybe not even give it its just due when it's all said and done. But this will be a, an incredible kickoff to the show and i i'm expecting catch two two to finally get that big w yeah that i mean that's kind of what they've got to do right and remember that one from last year the mm-hmm. um i mean the i mean the bloody leo rush match yeah that was, yeah. That was a banger so um yeah i mean that's what you do you put these guys out there and they get the energy up and that's the beginning of the show i i'm looking forward to it i don't I'm I'm a little concerned with this whole casket thing and TJP and all that stuff, but just that it's going to be something campy. Um, but the match should be good. Like, there's no reason to believe that this match won't be, you know, really great. Yeah, and it sounds like we're all kind of on on the same page here with uh, Catch Two Two uh, winning and regaining the championships. So uh, then from there, we'll have the NJPW World Television title match. A champion, Zack Sabre Jr., will defend against our president, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Are we going to talk about that? Uh, I had it in the, in the news section. Um, Feels big. Yeah. It, but we can, it can wait. It can wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting card placement for this one, I think. Just with the star power, right? You got Zach, pretty big star in the company. Tanahashi, obviously, uh, you know, the ace, the man, the guy, like everyone, you know, everyone loves him. I think the stakes are, you know, they are what they are. The TV title has been just Zach's title. Um, so we don't really know exactly. I mean, obviously, we know what they told us a year-ish ago when they launched the title, that this was going to be a title for the young guys, and this was going to be a title for um faster matches and and it has been really interesting with zach holding it and he's had an incredible run you know tons of wins uh he's got the most singles wins for new japan this year plus and then and then you've got to add in AEW and roh and rev pro and everywhere else he's gone and 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 you know honestly everywhere else he's gone and defended the title so he's had an incredible run i wanted there to be you know some sort of culmination at at wrestle kingdom I don't know that I want there to be a culmination with Tanahashi though, you know, like I think that just, just what I hoped this title would be and what they told us it would be. Um, 
it does it hasn't necessarily it hasn't necessarily not been that but it hasn't necessarily been that if you, if that makes any sense so and i just am not sure that tanahashi is the guy to end this cool reign from zach so hopeful that it leads somewhere maybe tanahashi is a transitional champion and zach is losing up um which is a thing that happens at wrestle kingdom if if you have never watched wrestle kingdom pay attention to the champions that lose uh, their matches because they might be the champion that is going after the big belt at the end of the show. Um, that's just, it's a pretty common thread in new Japan is to lose up that way. So keep an eye on some of those undercard guys that are walking in with a championship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've all seen this match. We've seen it. What? 11 times. Um, it's going to be good. It's just a matter. It's a matter of how good and kind of how much energy is in the room. Um, cause Zach's been tremendous. Tanahashi can still tap into what he needs to, but, um, I'm curious, I'm, I'm curious what the booking sense of this is like, where is it going? Yeah. Full disclosure. I had to step away to, uh, feed my dog. So I didn't hear everything that you guys had said, but, um, this is a match that I personally am very interested in. And maybe I wasn't so much so prior to a few days ago, but with, Hiroshi Tanahashi being named the new president of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I, that makes me wonder what what they're going to do as far as like title um, implications are concerned. Because prior to that announcement, I wasn't so excited for this match necessarily. Like Chris said, we've seen it 11 times before and it will be good. But I was a little, you know, played out on this um, particular matchup. Plus, I just thought Tanahashi was going to win the belt which didn't make a lot of sense to me considering the fact that this title was touted to be for the young guys. Now everything's kind of flipped because it's like this might very well given his new appointment, who knows what the future holds for Tanahashi. He's saying right now he's going to continue to wrestle and all that. But like, what if this is the last major singles title spot we see for him in the Tokyo dome because of his new role and his new duties. And they're not going to be able to shy away from the fact that he is the president because they made it very public. They did all these press conferences and that's also going to be interesting to see how they handle that in the kayfabe of, of everything. I kind of feel like maybe yes, will could or not will Zach could lose and fail up. Like you mentioned, Chris, but I kind of get the vibe that maybe he needs to hold on to the title now Maybe it's not the best idea or the best optics to put the title on your new president um, at this stage of the game. I don't know, um, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. And I feel like this is going to sort of be like a, a, a bit of closure for this particularly long-standing feud between these two guys. And the first time we've ever seen them wrestle in the dome against one another, it's going to be very interesting regard, no matter what happens. Yeah. I, I think with, Tanahashi being the, the president, that's, that's going to add a whole new wrinkle to the intrigue and what people are looking for in this match. And, uh, yeah, I do think it will be kind of a interesting booking call for Tanahashi to win uh, after being uh, named president. But I do think either result could work out for both guys' favor. I think if Zach does drop the TV title, yeah, against mentioned, that opens the door for him to, you know, fail up and potentially, you know, challenge whoever wins the world title saber has history both with naito and sonata there's a story you can tell there with him challenging either one of those guys and with will osprey uh you know being full-time AEW next year that opens up a foreigner spot 
and I think that Zach would slide up and uh, be seen as the top foreigner and be challenging for more titles and be a guy that they, they count on for big main events. So, yeah, you could do the quick title change, and then, you know, there's always New Year's Dash. Tanahashi could easily lose the title the next night to whatever, you know, hot young guy they want to push next. Or you you have Saber retain and kind of keep this long run going, and then you wait for a, a good moment for him to lose up. Um, so I, I think you can go either booking decision, I think, will work out in the favor for Zach. Uh, but again, it should be a really good match. Um, you know, the, the record's six and five with uh, Tanahashi uh, with the six wins. So if Zach wins, it could tie up the record there. That could be like the final conclusion to their rivalry because like you mentioned, yeah, they wrestled each other several times now G1, New Japan Cups, uh, Madison Square Garden. So yeah, interesting to see yeah, how this one's going to shake out. Uh, final predictions who you guys think is gonna gonna win it. Uh I think Zach. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Zach now. I wasn't before. I thought it was time after a year it's time for him to drop the belt, but I just kind of feel like he should probably retain and maybe maybe we don't put that title on Tanahashi right now. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Zach also. Um I think it would be better for him to to move on, especially with Tanahashi. Being a president, I know he did say in his interview, like, you know, um, it was very hard for me to get a Tokyo Dome spot. And this was kind of like by chance. I was lucky to pin Saber in that that multi-man. So, and yeah, he mentioned this is the second match on the main card. So we've seen Tanahashi sliding up year after year from main event. Uh, he's pretty much practically an opening match here. Um, so could it be a good way to kind of give him one big title match before he's fully, you know, president. So then following that, we will have the Gene Blast, Yota Suji taking on Heat Storm, Yuya Uemura. Well, before you jump into it, Chris, I, I want to give you a little bit of props because this was a match that you were sort of calling way before it ever happened. And I was skeptical it was even going to take place. So, you know, I guess take your victory lap. Oh no need for that. I didn't I didn't I didn't get a full victory because I I was pointing to doing two singles matches and 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 I think you know we'll talk about the tag matches as as we come together uh or as we get to the rest of the card but yeah I mean I I have felt like they were doing something with Yuya Yamura because they didn't really highlight him when he came back like he came back to some hubbub and just nothing crazy though. And not like the Suji comeback. He kind of just softly entered. Uh, he joined just five guys. He hasn't really done anything super special with them. He's just kind of there. Um, and this is his first singles match back. And I think that that's a big deal. You know, your first singles match back is going to be against, you know, what I think is hopefully his generational rival at the Tokyo Dome. And Suji came back with all this fanfare. Everyone super surprised ready for him to you know take on the world and everyone saying it was a mistake that they didn't take the belt off sonata and that suji should have won and you know all that stuff and and you know maybe that's i i think he's been incredible and he's been a great addition to lij and yuamura hasn't really shown much but i have a feeling you know about you know if we were doing this show 11 years ago we would have said the same thing about kazuchika okada so, you know, I think that the parallel there still exists, even though they didn't go directly to it. Um, but, you know, you all remember that year um, mm -hmm. and, and where things went. So I, I'm not calling that. I'm not. I just I don't think that they're bold enough to do that again. 
Mm -hmm. um and and it's just it's it's almost too obvious and i i do think they like to stay away from those types of things that are just too 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 obvious but um there's something there there's something happening with uemura and i think they already know what they've gotten suji and those are the i think those you know those two have really um well suji especially i mean he's the guy that people put at the cream you know at the top of the the top of the mountain right now with those four kind of younger guys that were kind of developed within new japan and like i said yumura hasn't had that chance i mean we remember better than anyone you know in in la when that dude got that pin like we were <laughs> we were school children i mean together all of us and that was you know i'll never forget that moment and i hope that i get to remember that moment in 15 or 20 years when this dude's had like an incredible run and like we're doing you know episode you know 4,000 of keeping it strong style and talking about, <laughs> you know, Uemura's first pin as a, as a young lion outside of Japan. But um, there's something there. There's something going on. There's a reason that this match is on the card. Um, I'm curious to see what it is. I'm curious to see if Suji just steamrolls him too. Um, Cause that's, there's, there's that chance too. Um, Cause I don't think Suji's quite Yoshihashi of 2012. Um, I think he's got a little more, you know, a little more stature to him already. Yeah. Suji and Uemura, this is a very, very interesting match because there have been allusions to like, you even made a few references there, Chris, to situations where people have come back from excursions over the years and how they've debuted them, how they feuded them, stuff like that. And new Japan's booking through the past year seemed to kind of subvert some of those expectations. Um, I know like for myself going through the tag league, I really thought that we were going to see like uh, Umino and Arita kind of repeat some of the successes that Tanahashi and um, Nakamura had with one another prior to their extensive feuding that, that, you know, followed it. Yeah. And obviously that didn't really play out that way. So I am sort of wondering um, with the expectations of, you know, the, the contrasting styles of Suji and Yumura and the presentation of these two guys and the, the vast history behind them. Um, are we getting ready to see this classic preview match that is going to continue to repeat itself for years on end at other wrestle kingdoms, or are they going to subvert all that and do something totally unexpected that we're not even thinking of? Cause that's sort of been their MO this year and kind of leaves me questioning what to really expect here at all. Yeah, I'm very interested for this matchup. Uh, like you mentioned, we're we're big fans of the Young Lions when they come back from excursion, and I think you know, New Japan talked about wanting to push the younger guys this year and kind of escalate that whole process. And I think we've been all calling for, yeah, push Imora, push Suji, push Umino, Narita, get these guys out in the forefront, get them in some big spots. And it seems like New Japan has kind of been. Uh, same old, same old, kind of slow to push the, the younger guys up and kind of get them in big spots, or at least winning in big spots. So these guys ha have had big moments uh, this year, but um, they, they've lost. And so I think this is going to be a good spot for them to, to have a singles match on the card where a lot of top guys like your Jeff Cobbs or Ishis are not on the card. So I think this will mean a lot for both of these guys. Um, as, as far as who wins, um, I'm kind of, it can go either way. I mean, Suji is a dominant one um, in the rivalry right now and had the bigger star presentation, you know, had, had already has had a world title match, had a U.S. title match. 
So yeah, clearly he is pegged ahead of Yamora. Um, or yeah, do you have Yuya win, kind of get that big moment and catapult him into whatever they're going to plan for him next year? Um, so yeah, I think yeah, the booking of this is going to be very interesting. But uh, I'm going to go with the Gene Blast for right now and have Suji kind of get his, his first big Tokyo Dome win. Well, before we get to the the predictions, we did have a question here. Yeah, MJSPR says, uh, big singles match for Suji and Yuya. How long do you think they'll get? Do you think it's interesting that Yuya's first big match is against a peer rather than a more established player? I think that's, I think you're seeing the beginning of something. And I, you know, we've been, I've been saying that for a year now. Um, I wish the beginning, I wish we were moving into the next phase already, but things move at the pace that they move at in, in New Japan. Like it is, it is what it is. I think we're going to see, you know, I've got, I've got dreams of these guys, you know, moving into title pictures and everyone, all four of these guys are five, I guess, if you want to include Kaito Kiyomiya, um, all four of these guys walking into the dome next year with a belt over their shoulder, right? Different divisions, different places, all, you know, young versus old, whatever you want to do, right? Or they have established who their generational rival is, and they're just going to keep going back to that. And that's okay too, right? If if it's Umino and Narita, that's cool. Maybe next year is their year to have a big singles match. Maybe there's a belt on the line. Uh, maybe it's that TV title. Maybe, you know... Maybe Yumura and Suji are both in the tag division. Maybe one of them's in a team that that's got a got a title, or maybe they're just fighting again. Or maybe they've got maybe they got the rocket strap. Maybe one of them's walking in with the title or with a G one win. Um, you know, I think I think the trajectory is still really great for these guys, and I think it's it's very cool to see to know that you're watching the beginning of what they're hoping to be. You know, a 10, 15, 20 year long story. Um, and that's, that's the neat thing about new Japan. It pays off at some point. Um, you know, you're not just going to see these guys end up, you know, low on the card. Like th- these guys are going to be players and, and we got to be ready for that. And that's why they're all in different units. And that's why they're all, you know, showing up in different ways and having their moment at the beginning when they come back. And that's why they spread out all the returns. Like they're not coming in as a new generational unit, which is something they do in like Dragon Gate and some other units or in some, some other companies, they would bring them all back together. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they're all coming back apart. Yeah. And I think I think we're seeing we're seeing the beginning of something. And it's sort of like going back 10 years and seeing the beginning of the Okada run. And and you didn't know it at the time. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, that would have been that's a cool thing to see in real time. So here's hoping. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that Yuya's first big match is against a peer. Um, I don't know exactly what that means. I sort of like uh, some of the, the statements Chris has made about how there was a similarity there with Okada when he first returned and him being faced off with uh, Yoshihashi. I think that's an interesting parallel. Maybe that means something, maybe not. But uh, as far as um, how long I think they'll get, I'm probably guessing sub 15 minutes. Yeah. I was going to say like 12. Yeah. Probably 12 minutes. It's probably expected. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it though. Jeremy, what were you going to say? Yeah. So this match, it, it does have a 30 minute time limit and we don't, we do know that the history between these guys with draws, they have, uh, I believe 10 draws in their career. Is there any chance they give these guys 30 and they do a 30 minute time limit draw? 
I'd be surprised. I'm shocked that they made it a 30 minute time limit. Um, because you want that to, you do, you want that to be at, at play, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't, I mean, here's, I guess, I don't know, let's time the show. I mean, the TV title match is not going to be long. The the junior the junior tag match is not going to be long. Mm-hmm. So like everything everything ahead of them is short. Um, I mean, you could we could be what half hour 40, 40 minutes into this show when this match hits the ring. Mm-hmm. They could get twenty, um, depending on what they want to do with the rest of the card. I'd be shocked if they got thirty though. Just oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Especially I, after the G one was twenty minute time limits. Like yeah. why? I feel like that's a little bit of a miss. To not throw the G1 20-minute time limit or, I don't know, the TV title style 15-minute time limit on it. Just a little bit more than they ever got as the Young Lions. Um, just give them a little bit more, right? 30 minutes is a classic s- special singles match time That's limit. That's what though. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so. I, I doubt they're going to do that, but I just want to throw it out there. I, I mean, it could be at play with the, the history of draws in their Young Lions stage, but... Yeah, with it being 30 minutes, I doubt that they'll go get the full 30. I expect that more like 12 to 15 uh, minute range. Um, I, I've got Suji, although I wouldn't be surprised if you more one. Um, I'm, I'm just picking him because I feel like the story of Suji being this insurmountable goal that he's continuously chasing after is a classic New Japan sort of booking uh, pattern. Um, whereas like if you more wins, I guess they could flip flop their stations but right now like you mentioned jeremy suji's already established so i feel like that's probably what they'll do yeah so let's move on to the next matchup we have a Wait, chris didn't say who he does oh i thought i thought he did my bad i eh, i think you you wins <laughs> okay <laughs> i just think it's surprising i think contrarian <laughs> yeah i mean i get I, I i don't feel strongly about that by any means right. but I think he wins because I think there's, I do, I think there's something going on there, but I think what this tells me, I like kind of in the background is that the company already trusts Suji, mm-hmm. right? To go out there and, and, and to some extent, Yumura, right? Like they see what they've got. He was on excursion forever. He had a ton of matches. Like he is, you know, a star in the making, like, but to put a guy out there for their first, you know, big singles match, um, you you want someone out there that you know can deliver, and Suji maybe Suji's already that guy. Not not in a way of being like he's never going to win anything. He's always just going to be a good hand. It's not that, right? We're not talking about I guess Ishi here. Like he's he's still got that trajectory, but I think it just it just means that he showed up, you know, ready to go, and and there and he's willing to get out there. Suji has this inherent confidence. Um, that just seems so like legitimate and real. So, um, so I guess, you know, here's hoping they have, they have like 19 draws actually, I think is Mm. is what I'm looking at. That's what I'm like, as I'm talking, I'm like trying to get this thing to run, um, 19 or 20. Actually, nobody remembers that. Uh, 2022 according to uh, NJPW 1972. Well then, (laughs) Not sure where they, got, where they got their, their numbers from. I, I guess I'll have to check my brain. <laughs> um, all right. So next matchup, we got a special tag team match. We'll have the team of Kaito Kiyomiya and Shota Umino taking on the House of Torture team of Evil and Ren Narita. Sold out Ren Narita. <laughs> this man was definitely watching 
you know, 1996, 1997 WCW at this point. Oh, yeah. Um. Since Chris is eating food, I will uh, <laughs> jump in. I got uh, a lot going on, man. I got, you know, I'm on like nine podcasts this week. Like, I, sorry, I'm muted. No. And, and and I'm just I'm gonna put my wife over right now. She made a beef tenderloin last night. Oh, oh my god, it's just as good. It's just it might be better the next day. Oh my god, that's so, so good. Yeah, you're yeah, I don't uh, blame you're jealous. You. It's okay. <laughs> um yeah, no. So, you know, the thing with uh Umino and Kiyomi and I haven't been paying super close attention to this, but uh, you know, House of Torture, they've been feuding with Kiyomiya as well as Oiwa, and then they they uh arrived recently at Noah, jumped those guys, and there's been allusions to a tag team match that's down down the line. January 2nd, the big show for Noah, um, Kiyomi and Oiwa needed a, a tag team partner. Turns out it's going to be Shota Umino. And then the exchange was, in return for that, Kiyomiya is going to team with Umino to take on Narita and Evil at the Tokyo Dome. So this kind of fills out nicely, given the recent history between Umino and Narita. Uh, we kind of knew that was leading somewhere. It's leading here. I think a lot of people wanted that to sort of be a singles match, but unfortunately it's it's a tag team match. But I do think it's great that they're getting Kiyomiya on the card as well. Um, you know, one thing, I don't know where I saw this, so I don't want to not credit uh, people that need to be credited. It, I actually think it might have been someone asking us a question here on this show, but they said something to, to the effect of that there was a communication breakdown between new japan management and new japan new japan booking so like for instance the whole thing with like the reiwa musketeers that maybe that that was like an initiative from um management and wasn't so much something that gato was pushing for or even knew about i don't know if that's the case but it could be if it's plausible and if that's true i think that'd be an interesting point as to why the reiwa musketeers weren't as big of a deal during and after the G1 as people maybe sort of expected them to be. And now we're starting to see like the next uh, stage of that. A lot of people are wondering where they were going to be utilized on this show. And here they all are. And it's a good first step for them. Um, as far as like Kiyomiya's concerned though, a lot of people have been critical of his use both in new Japan as well as in Noah and his home promotion. And with this new, coalition of Japanese companies working together and Kiyomiya clearly being the one guy from Noah that has been given uh you know a lot of opportunity in New Japan I'm wondering if that speaks to the potential I know a lot of people are wondering if maybe he'll jump ship and come to New Japan I'm wondering if this is a way for them to boost him in his home promotion because he's getting you know, featured more and more in New Japan, that it shows that he's the one guy they see as a star, and maybe Noah should in turn push him and off the backbone of of his utilization in New Japan. I don't know, but there are a lot of people out there wondering if this is the first step to him actually leaving that company, given the fact that they haven't really necessarily utilized him to the best of his abilities in recent times. I don't know, but um, I'm looking forward to see how things shake out between Umino and Narita, because that seems to be the focal point of this matchup. And, uh, you know, evil's there. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think if if it weren't for Kaito Kiyomiya, I think we might get that Narita Umino singles match. Um, but he's a guy that they they want on these cards, and I don't know if that's a deal with Noah. I don't know if that's the trade off for you know helping develop Oiwa or if there's something else you know bigger going on. Um, but it, I don't. I think if he was gonna jump, he would have already jumped. Right. You know, like it would have been clearer. I feel like no one's committing. Like of the three, I guess the love triangle, right? No one's committing. Like Kaito, he, you know, he he wants to keep his doors open with New Japan, and he's. He's got, you know, a good thing going over at Noah and he just did a he's the Dragon Gate Twin Gate champion now. Like he was in he was at the Dragon Gate show. So he's kind of everywhere. So it, it's weird. It, I, I don't have a read on Kumia. I, I think he's good. I just don't think he's worth all the hub. You know, I don't think he's worth all the hype yet. Um, and I, maybe that's because no one is committing to him and he's not committing to anybody. Um, so it's almost like he's just putting the feelers out there. So, um, you know, I think the match will progress the character of Narita and hopefully we'll get some fire out of Amino. And, I, you know, Kimia to me, is just a dude right now. Like I need him to stick somewhere and and then we can kind of see what what he's got. Yeah, these talking points all uh, play into a question we got from Rambo and Slam Pig saying, is Kaito getting a tag match at Wrestle Kingdom after doing World Tag League in G1 this year and indication that he's likely to join the promotion full-time in 2024 or just another one-off? And, yeah, it's very hard to tell. And, like, I don't know what the, the NOAA contract cycle is like. You know, for New Japan, it seems like end of January is when most contracts are due. That's when people are jumping. And so, yeah, I don't know like what his NOAA deal is, how long his NOAA deal is. So maybe there is a... I'm planning to jump, but my contract is up, and that's kind of what this is. Uh, but I feel like it's more maybe a thing to push the whole, you know, United Pro Wrestling, whatever the whole the new name of the coalition is, kind of push that and be like, all right, Kaito is like the one young guy that we're gonna kind of use in between our coalition. Yeah, he's gonna go to Dragon Gate, he's gonna go to New Japan, he's gonna be bouncing around and kind of be like the quote unquote flag bearer of what this whole union is all about, and. To me, that's what it seems like because if it was a thing to like court him to join New Japan, they haven't been doing a good job of it. Like, didn't make it to the G1 finals, you know, World Tag League finals. He hasn't had any big wins in New Japan yet. It's like, if you want to court this man, watch how Tony Khan does it. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say that. You know, put put somebody in a big stadium in their hometown and have them beat but one of your top stars. That's so clearly not what's happening. Right, that's what I'm saying. No, that's what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they were going to court him, it'd be like, all right, Kaito comes in. He's going to win the U.S. title. He's going to win. He's going to go semifinal the G1 block. He's going to be doing all this stuff and getting all these big wins. Um, and so I think that that's not, that's not happening. Um, I think what is happening is just this whole coalition thing. New Japan, and Noah working together and just kind of highlighting Kaito without making him a major part of their booking. Part of me did wonder, though, if maybe some of that was like, he's from Noah, we're going to put him in his place, see if he plays ball, humble him, yada, yada. But we're st- we still kind of want him. And maybe down the line, we'll we'll take him. I don't know. It just never, it never felt like that to me. Right. 
I'm yeah. just speculating. It's, no, I I don't think anyone has a damn clue what's going on with this dude. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It's super but weird. As far as the match goes, I guess uh, to jump into predictions, I kind of feel like I know that Kiyomiya and Omino are both like these young stars and it's like sort of a dream team, but I kind of get the feeling that maybe House of Torture, especially with Ren just just now turning, they might find a way to win and kind of continue the Umino Narita stuff afterwards. I I mean I think it's sort of just it's gonna depend who wins the match at the Noah show the couple days before. Because mm, they've got point. the big, they've got the big six versus six elimination tag, which should be awesome. Um, that should be a good time. But I think it's like maybe Oi what loses uh, there. Yeah, they're gonna trade. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna trade wins. Well, you sold me. I, I'm taking Kiyomi and Amino here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I would what, what you were thinking, young boy. I'm gonna go with uh, Narita and Evil winning because I think there is more heat to have Umino chase Narita, so I could see. Of course, shenanigans, underhanded tactics, uh, Narita pins Umino, and then it's a chase of 2024 of Umino trying to beat Narita. You put them in the same New Japan Cup bracket, you put them in the same G1 block again, and you kind of have this build of, all right, all right, Umino is trying to beat Red Narita. Who's who's teaming with them at, on that January 2nd show? It's all of House of Torture. No, it's a six-man. No, no, it's, it's six a on six. So oh. it is uh, Daiki Inaba, Junta Miyawaki, Kaito Kiyomiya, Oiwa Umino, and Suji Kondo versus all of the House of Torture. My bad. I Like I said, I'm not as tuned into what's going on. Uh, yeah, so that changes things because there's a lot of uh, potential pin eaters there just across the board. Yeah. But it's a, right. it's also it's elimination. So, it is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So over the ropes, you know, you're not, you're not burying that- anybody. Well, does Noah do that? Are they doing over the top rope? I don't know. I assume they all. I shouldn't assume they all do. I've never heard anyone else doing that except for New Japan ever. Oh, it's a six on six elimination tag. I don't. They're probably not doing six falls. I'm just saying. I've never heard of anyone else doing that. Where's Justin Nipper when you need him to? Right. That's what I was just gonna say. Where's (laughs) Justin Nipper? (laughs) We should have had him on too for this uh, matchup. (laughs) Well, yeah. If you want it. Oh yeah. Uh, so anyways, I don't know. I, I I'm back and forth. You, you sold me, Jeremy. I'm going to ride with you. House of torture. All right. So uh, who, who, who do you, who do you got uh, preemptively, Chris? I'll go house of torture. All right. We're three for three across the board. I think you, you give evil a big win here, way low down the card, so people think he can win a big match next year. And I forget no, no, evil sold, sold out. Renderita, he's gonna <laughs> hit that X factor. You know, he's been he's been watching his uh, six pack six Sean one two three kid videos, and as is as is classic for evil, he will win on the backs of uh, somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so following that, we will have the never open weight title match. The champion, the dragon, Shingo Takagi, will defend against Tama Tonga. And this is uh, a rematch coming after uh, they had the draw in the G1. And then Shingo beat Tama for the title at Lone Star Shootout. And this is uh, Tama's rematch. 
maybe to help us with the time, uh, we can go over some of these questions preemptively as talking points. Uh, oh, Chris is... <laughs> the announcement of this match has put uh, Chris to sleep on the Oh, air. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought Chris was just being... I'm here. Highly, highly inappropriate and unprofessional. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> this man fell asleep on the air. It's not that I'm asleep. It's just I'm tired of, well, <laughs> this. Oh, man. Uh, what I was saying is, uh, let's jump into the question so we have something to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, Def Triangle 720 says, looking at the Wrestle Kingdom 18 card, say what you will about the card, but the Tama versus Shingo match sticks out and feels like filler. Do you think it was a last-minute change? I, yes. I think Tomatonga was always going to be in this match. But, like, why did they change the title in Vegas and then just go right back to it? Like, mm-hmm. I know this is, like, Wrestle Kingdom Redux, the rematch or whatever. Like, there's a lot of rematches happening, right? Like, we're not burning much off here. But this match I, it just doesn't but here's the thing tomatong has had i don't know however many singles matches i should have pulled it up while i was snoozing but every singles match he's had this year 2023 has been either a g1 match a, or a tournament match or a never open weight championship match he has not had an other he hasn't had any other singles matches he's hardly had any other matches i mean like he's been around for some builds and tag you know tag stuff but like Everything he's doing is either a tournament, you know, everything major that he's doing is either a tournament match or a never title match. So it's it's just odd to see someone that always has some sort of stakes attached to all of their matches for an, an entire calendar year. Um, and then you can go back to last year's Wrestle Kingdom where he was on the card, you know, in a, in that capacity too. So um, it's kind of odd. I don't really, I don't know, like why. I, I can't really pinpoint what's happening with, with Tomatonga and like, where are we going? That's always what I'm thinking about. It's like, where are we headed here? What does this all mean? Right? Yeah. I have no idea. We talked about it on the show either last week or a couple of weeks ago. And I do feel like there was some kind of change because they were angling for Shingo and Suji to be the, the LIJ team in world tag league. You know, they, we're teaming together. They came with the whole the pumping blaster. It, it seems like we're we're set to go for those guys to be in tag league, and then all of a sudden, Chingo wins the title. Zanacon Junior comes in, and we're in a wholly different direction. Um, and mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I know there's rumors about Taylor signing another contract, or re-upping, or a new agreement. So maybe there was a thing where like his deal was coming up, and uh, he wasn't going to sign. So they're like, "Oh, we need to go to Chingo," and then maybe he did sign. Like, all right, well. Let's go back to what we were doing with Tama. I I don't know. I have no information on that, but it just seems very weird that you would do, you know, weeks and weeks of build of Suji and Chingo teaming and then just scrap that. And, you know, Tama finally kind of beating Finley and moving on for Bull Club and then all of a sudden just first defense, it's it's to Shingo. So it, to me, it does seem like there's some kind of backstage political, some kind of change there that brought us back to this rematch. I know Tama is a guy that usually... Since he's been single, it's kind of been getting spotlighted at the Tokyo Dome. But I don't know. Something about that just seems kind of weird. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I won't repeat those points, but I do feel like something changed at some point. I don't know what, how, where, when, but it happened. Um, as far as the match itself, though, 
we, we we're getting a lot of rematches, like Chris said, but of all the rematches, this is the one I least want to see because um, we already saw it. And it, while it was good, it wasn't necessarily great. It wasn't something that I, I thought to myself, like, I'd like to see that on a bigger stage down the line. You know, it just it's not that. And, you know, Tama, I'll give Tama props. This is a guy that at one point we were pushing for years for him to be given opportunities. And every time he kind of got those opportunities, he made us look foolish. And we were like, oh, we were wrong about this guy. And then finally, last couple G1s, he stepped out. He really stepped up. And, you know, breaking him off from the Bull Club seemed to really reinvigorate him. And everything that he persisted through through the pandemic, he sort of became a certain level of star. And that was great. But he has kind of languished over the last year or so and sort of just stagnated and has failed to rise higher in the ranks, you know, get bigger reactions from the crowds and kind of his work hasn't really progressed either. And I don't really see a big difference a year from the match he had with Carl Anderson to where I think I would say he's more deserving of this spot than many other people that are being left off the card. And then you take a look at Shingo and I think Shingo is wildly the easily the most underutilized talent in new Japan's roster. He's a guy that should be a top five big name talent. And one of the names that surprisingly, when people are talking about the exodus of people leaving, like, you know, uh, Will Ospreay and the rumors about Okada, it's very rarely do you hear anyone say, well, at least they still got Shingo. And that's partly due to the way the company books and utilizes him. And he's in my opinion, a top 20 all time talent ever that has ever lived he's one of the very best that has ever done this and the fact that and nothing against tamatanga he's a great wrestler but they're in totally different leagues and this is a guy that should be in this main event semi-main event top four matches of the night not wrestling for the never title trying to elevate tamatanga and acquiesce to him with whatever's going on with his contract situation that's just to me it just doesn't make sense um i'm sure the match will be good but for me, for my money, for what I want to see, to you know, I hear people talking about restoring the feeling in AEW. Well, I need New Japan to restore the feeling and put Shingo in a more prominent spot than you know number six on the card against Tamatonga. This is just not. A, here's the last thing I will say. Tamatonga has every opportunity to make me eat my words. If 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 ever there was a uh, the right guy to go out there in a big spot and really elevate yourself above what has been done for the past two years with him and bullet club. Now is the time. If you want to go out there and be the man Osprey's leaving, there are people walking out of this company. They're supposed to be an exodus. This is your time. If you want to, if you want to do that, this is your time. If you're one of those guys that happens to be leaving and is signing elsewhere, you want to up that, up that bill. This is the match where you do it. This is where you make your, your final stand one way or the other. They need to give us a great match because if we come on this show next week and we're talking about that was a fine little three to three and a half star match, they have failed us. And it's not going to be Shingo's fault. (laughs) Can I stat bomb counterpoint you? Sure. Shingo Takagi in 2023. So in the New Japan calendar is over. Shingo Takagi spent the most time in the ring in New Japan singles matches in the company by by a long shot. 
and he had the second most singles matches in the company just behind Zack Sabre Jr. He spent seven hours and 25 minutes in the ring in singles matches. It doesn't feel like that, though. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing that, that I'm struggling with is that it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like he's been featured that way. Um, but 21 singles matches is the second most in the company. Seven hours is almost 40 minutes more than Zack Sabre Jr., which is the second highest. Like, where? I mean, I hate to say it, you know, because I watch almost everything. But like, where are the where were these matches? <laughs> like, well, he, he did have the, the ultimate try. It was on a road yep. to match. So, I yep. mean, if you didn't watch a lot of people don't watch road twos, you you'd miss stuff like that. And so. Yeah, it feels yeah. like he, he had, had a he had a great KOPW title run. Yeah, and a yeah. great G one. It, yeah, it's and not- a lot of the stuff's in that, right? But it just and 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 he had some singles matches in the US on the on the US shows, which are you know your mileage may vary. It's so. not that they don't use Shingo. That's not my point. He is he's obviously one of the Iron Mans of the company. It's just where and how they're using him. Sure, he, he should be. In oh, the he's. Event. He's one of the Iron Man. He, uh, I, I pulled some stuff. Actually, I probably have some scheduled tweets going out soon. Um, I mean, Shingo overall match length twenty six hours. I mean, that was the highest in the company this year. I mean, he's he's an Iron Man. He's there. He's always there, and he's everywhere else too. Um, you know, but it's. I, do you guys? I don't know. I have the sense that Shingo's got a failing up situation i i think he's a more likely candidate to fail up and to lose here and challenge for something whether that's you know the big the big belt after a naito win or something um i don't know i feel like he's primed for it he's primed for like another big shingo push yeah i don't like the idea if february is the time where we put him in that spot to sell tickets and lose to the world champion like he did last year to to sure okada but you you probably have a good point there it's definitely possible uh jeremy yeah i mean he, he's a guy that potentially could win new japan cup um mm-hmm. and do something big with him there i think it really depends on who wins the title like if sonata retains the title i think there's an easy story there of all right here's, another, here's another lij guy you gotta face and chingo uh, don't, 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 <laughs> cannot speak that, Why but that's, but that's the thing. Shingo's the only guy that never got a shot at Sonata. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy from like the original, uh, LIJ heavyweights that never got a shot at it. Shoot. Not even the original. I mean, like he, he's the only guy that didn't get a shot at Sonata. Lethal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that but took, if, if, that took me a second, but I got there. If uh, Naito <laughs> retains, you know, normally they they don't really do the Lij, you know, faction versus faction. I know that Naito and Hiromu are angling for their match for the anniversary show, so maybe yeah, you could have a thing, and maybe that's who interrupts the golden roll call. Maybe they, they do the the roll call, and Shingo's like, "Glad you won, pal, but I want a title match." And maybe or someone's got to take over United Empire in in New Japan. Hmm. That's that's probably true, and that's not a bad idea either. Or, uh, you know, Takagi Goon or, you know, like there's there's space. There's definitely space for a domestic talent to lead a unit because <laughs> they haven't done that in a minute. Yeah. If there was ever somebody that needed to break out. I know some of the young guys people will probably clamor for, but it, Shingo needs to not be part of LIJ. He needs to be a leader of a faction. Right. Because he's because then you can really have the leaders all 
at the same level. Mm-hmm. Lij is kind well, of the, well, not Bullet Club, but yes, well, he's he's gonna be. He, you know, he's gonna be in the picture. Wait, wait which Bullet Club are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Gold? which one? There's like six. <laughs> the the Shingo. Yeah, I mean, Shingo's a guy that should have his own. He should either be all on his own or he should have his own unit. Um, but Lij has always had the kind of canon that they don't have like a hierarchy, even though they do. Um, but all those guys, you know, Shingo was the title holder while Naito was doing, you know, hanging around with Mudo or mm-hmm. whatever he was doing. And Sonata's always gotten in that picture and finally broke out. But that's apparently how you get the title, right? You get the title now in the current kind of situation. Sonata left, right? Sonata left, won the title. Shingo leaves, win the title. I don't know, right? Like, if there's I, a pandemic. If there's a pandemic, he had a, I mean, that was a great run. It was yeah. it, like, I mean, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's something there. I'll be watching him pretty closely through the roll call. I think maybe he gets through the roll call and then that's it. Cause you got, I mean, they got merch for the roll call, man. Like I'm telling you, like they got to do it. If they don't do it, it's going to be a pretty hefty tragedy. And I don't know when they're going to have a chance to do it again. <laughs> so and I think the way to get through that without someone interrupting it is having someone that's already in the ring challenge one way or another, whether it's as friends or as, you know, as a turn. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's something there. Like, I know I mentioned Zach earlier as someone who could fail up, but I think, you know, I mean, you run it back. It's same thing Kenta did in 2020. He lost the never title and uh, then he challenged for the for the big belt. So. I, I have to put that out in the universe just in case I'm right. And otherwise, we obviously delete the tapes. <laughs> you say it's for uh, EPO, entertainment purposes only. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I got Tama Tonga, or I'm sorry, I've got Shingo. I'm, I know that in the past people have failed up, but I personally kind of think that the, the outcome of Okada Danielson will provide the next challenger for the title regardless so i kind of think shingo's gonna just win here and do people want to see danielson and naito i don't think danielson's winning (laughs) uh okada's already got his next program booked who osprey Osprey. for san jose that's just a little that's us that doesn't even matter that's (laughs) probably that's probably not really a full program it's just like a little well it's It'll be a nine-day build, but yeah, it's a warm-up match for the New Beginning Tour. Yeah, it's a warm-up he, match for AEW Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> probably, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I got Shingo here. I could be wrong, but I, I think Shingo is going to be holding gold at that Golden Roll Call. Uh, I don't know. I'm going. I'm going with Tama. I mean, I feel like the Golden Roll Call would have been better if you had like all all the guys yeah. holding titles. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Tama winning and regaining the title. Because didn't. Wasn't Sonata the only one that didn't have a title? The last when, time, yeah. The last time? At a certain point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then that was kind of a tell for where we were headed. Dang. I mean, I got to put my chips in, right? I got to say Tom is winning and Shing was losing, and that's that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go with it. Nice. All right, so next up, we got the IWGP Tag Title and NJPW Strong Openweight Tag Team Title Match, the World Tag League winners and IWGP Tag Team Champions, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi will take on the NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, 
El Phantasmo and Hikaleo. This is where I uh, say that the last 11 times that the IWGP tag team titles were defended at the Tokyo Dome, they changed hands. So, and that dates back to 20 or yeah, 2014 when uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson defeated uh, Lance Archer and David Boy Smith. Were were the strong openweight tag team titles on the line in any of those <laughs> matches? That's the. I mean, maybe that's the that's the hook, isn't it? <laughs> you know, um, recently we had uh, the strong tag team champions ELP and uh, Hikaleo on the show. They gave, they were very gracious with their time. They gave us an interview, and then they were also doing interviews with a, a lot of other uh, podcasts in the in the space, which was cool. And one of the kind of points that they made and repeated on both our show, we didn't really expound on it. We kind of, I think we were sort of keeping that interview a little bit more storyline based, but it came up a lot during their media tour is that their contracts are up in January and they have to kind of reassess. and They're not sure what's next now, granted. And the one thing uh, people seem to forget is everybody's contract is up in January <laughs> and they need to, to reassess. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that they kept throwing that out there because I'm wondering like, is this, um, is this something where they're sort of casting doubt and they know that they're going to go over and they're going to win the titles and everything like that. Um, and maybe they're just trying to get their name out there to, to kind of preempt their title run or, is there some real world being mixed with kayfabe here and maybe they're kind of looking to play the field and talking to other promoters and reassessing their deal and maybe they are on the way out and this is the tell that they're not going to win uh on the big stage against bishamon and they're trying to kind of drum up some interest and and kind of get their name out there before that happens i don't know Hiroki Goto is also one of the most successful tag team wrestlers, like two on two tag team wrestlers in Tokyo Dome history. So two more wins and he will match Tenzan and Kojima as the most successful um, tag team. And I don't think that's that far off. And I think that might be a cool thing to, for him to get under his belt. So I, there's there's a big part of me that thinks they break this streak. And I think maybe we we play that up a little bit and, and commentary plays that up a little bit that this streak is is the reason to believe that those guys are going to lose the, the IWGP titles um, people around the space are calling this a unification match as far as I can tell it's just a both titles match mm-hmm. so they haven't called it unification they are not they don't seem to be uh, they don't seem to be super into unifying strong titles with anything so I don't know. Keep an eye on that because maybe they announced that at the press conference and maybe that's a tell and maybe, you know, maybe we'll actually know what's going on with the, the single strong title by then um, because that's still a little or unclear. Triple, triple crown. But it's still a separate title. No, triple crown. No, see, but it's a separate title. <laughs> no, it's triple crown. It's but one see, title it's, now. It's, it's, it's a new it's, bell. Triple it's crown. the new American triple crown make-a-wish title. <laughs> Well, in in our interview with uh, ELP and Hikaleo, ELP did mention that their goal is to unify the titles. Of course, this was more of a, like we mentioned, a storyline kind of kayfabe sure. interview. But they, then they, I 
am pro them winning if that's their motivation. <laughs> yeah, they want to unify, have there be one set of tag titles, and one, you know this is a top tag team. You you have a unified new IWGP strong, whatever you're going to call it. Tag team. He, he also brought up that it was not lost on them that they've already done this a few times this year, whether that was with Aussie Open yep. holding both belts uh, or Bishamon holding both belts and then War Dogs challenging for both belts. So they, they were like, yeah, we're, we're not the first ones who might do this if we even do accomplish it. So that, that's an interesting part. Prior to that interview, prior to their media tour, I was fully fledged in the camp that G.O.D. is winning the belts here. And it had nothing to do with SAMHSA's stat about the likelihood of title changes taking place at the Tokyo Dome, even though that's not lost on me. But uh, after they were making some of those comments, uh, it, it cast a little bit of doubt uh, for me just as a fan where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what, what the booking is looking to, to do here. And it might be kind of a solidifying thing if they do have Bishamon retain here and kind of win both both titles. I don't know. You don't think uh, you don't think Yoshiashi's jumping? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> His contract's probably up too. <laughs> um, yeah, Jeremy, we need to put out a news link tweet where we're like, people there. There's other talents that no one else has said that are <laughs> their contracts are up. And so we're there gonna... several New Japan stars contracts <laughs> are up. Then you got to wait for somebody else to confirm it because they will. <laughs> uh yeah i i think i'm gonna go with elp and hikaleo winning just because hikaleo is another young guy that's kind of in that young line class of guys are trying to push even though he's a little bit older um so you, you give him a big win and you switch the belt i feel like you kind of give in bishamon a lot i mean this is their, their third world tag league win in a row Coming in Tokyo Dome as champions, they've had a, a long tag. They, essentially, I know they kind of dropped it and got, got the belts back, but they are essentially the tag champions all of this year. Um, so I would go with the big uh, tile change. And you know, in that interview, we did talk about how over God is getting in Japan, and they talked about how their, their merch is flying off the shelf. And so, I, yeah, I think it would be a cool moment and, and a big win for those guys. Yeah, I also think New Japan is very clearly in the business of pushing Hikaleo, um, even more so than I think how they feel about ELP. Not to say they're not in, in favor of ELP. They've, they trust him, and they've put him in some big spots in the past, but is a guy that they've really protected and pushed and put in prominent spots, especially this past year. So I do kind of get the feeling that, and that was the main one of the big reasons why I thought G.O.D. was going to win here. And I'm still, you know what? I'm still going to go that way, although I'm less confident of it now. But uh, I think that's probably what they'll do here. Plus, it, it's Wrestle Kingdom. They like to do title changes, so you know. Mm-hmm. Title is changing. I'm calling it. One of the titles is changing. <laughs> the, the, and I think the match will be very good. The only unfortunate thing is that they're not going to get as much time as they did for the World Tag League Finals. So... The, it, while this match will probably be very good, it's going to be a small um, sample of what we got at you know in December. So that's the only kind of drawback there. Yeah, that's kind of the the unfortunate thing for them. Yeah, doing that that epic final, and then yeah, they're not going to get as much time as they got in that final match. So 
Yeah, I think it'll be a, a good tag match, and then, uh, you know, especially coming down a stretch here. Uh, but yeah, I'm going uh, new champs. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So uh, moving on to the next match, we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. Hiromu Takahashi defending the title against El Desperado. This match kind of came out of nowhere. I'm into it. Super into it. I think this is this match feels like New Japan's hat tip to El Desperado getting over during the pandemic. And Hiromu, as much kind of attention as the beginning of his reign got, he's kind of... Eh, it's it's, it's been quiet. It's kind of right? fizzled out, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's done... Like, I hate to say Hiromu fizzled out, but like he's not really up to much. Yeah, I think he's done like a lot of appearances and other promotions, but he hasn't been defending mm-hmm. the title. And he won all those matches, so I don't get why those matches couldn't have been title defenses. But yeah, it's like he, the first half of the year, it, it was things were heating up. You know, the the Yo match, the Leo Rush match, yeah, um, Super Juniors, speed the speedball match. Junior. And then after that, yeah, it's kind of just kind of like a, a lukewarm kind of run. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. It's strange because I was really excited to see him really go after that record. And, I, you know, you figured you're going to build up towards Wrestle Kingdom being the culmination. But um, that's not what they did. Um, Despy, I love this match. Love to see it. It was one of my favorite. It was probably my favorite New Japan match of the pandemic. Um, but, I, you know... Hiromu just jumping out and calling out Desperado. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing to this match besides, like, we know it's going to be good, and mm-hmm. I, that's sort of enough. But I don't know. Hiromu's such a great character, and Despy's got such a great story. Like, I feel like we could have gotten here a different way. Um, so and I don't really know what that would have been, but this it also sort of feels like a pivot. It feels it, like maybe. You know, someone like Leo Rush was in the mix or something like that. And I, I don't know. I hate to speculate even, but like it feels like this is one of those like in case of emergency break glass, you've got an El Desperado Hiromu match on the dome and it's going to be badass. And honestly, it could be the match of the night. Here's what I'm hoping for. Uh, and this is kind of a WWE reference, but, you know, the legendary rivalry between mankind and The Undertaker, a lot of th- times people sort of think back to the 1998 hell in a cell king of the ring they kind of forget that by the time that match came the the feud was pretty much already done it most of it happened in 96 and a little bit 97 but that was pretty much it and then they sort of just revived it on the fly out of nowhere because it was old faithful trusty match that you can kind of go to and then they turned around and on that stage and that stipulation had the most memorable match of the entire series and pretty much the one that they they're most known for and it, it it's a huge part of both those men's legacies i'm sort of hoping that's what this is i know that and that's not to say that the matches that preceded it weren't incredible um but you know 
for them. They had that one match in the Tokyo Dome, and while it was very good, it could not and did not live up to some of their more lofty matches they had in the past. And I'm sort of hoping that this is that final stamp, that final defining match that they these two guys have where they draw upon everything that they've done in the past and then they exceed it in the Tokyo Dome, which apparently is getting torn down possibly, <laughs> which I hope doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I hope that that's what we're getting here because like Chris said, I don't think that they did a great job building to this match, which is a shame considering the long history between these two men. And, uh, but at the same time of all the rematches that are taking place, this is probably on paper, the, well, aside from like maybe Okada Danielson, but on paper for new Japan only like the most storied and, and kind of revered uh, of the feuds. So I'm hoping they go out there and they just knock it out of the park. Yeah. There was a, a very weird build of this. I mean, Desperado previously, and he was teaming with Master Wato. They had the whole Super Junior Tag League run and the best of seven before that. It didn't really seem like he was being heated up to be in a, a big singles program. I feel like traditionally you would have a guy like this getting some big singles wins kind of on the way to this. And I know a lot of people even thought they were going to win Super Junior Tag League and be the ones to challenge uh, the War Dog. So it just seems like Desperado just didn't really have a ton of momentum going in this match. But like you guys mentioned, it's kind of that, that old faithful program you go to, you, you throw it up there, you, you know it's going to be great. And yeah, with it being Wrestle Kingdom and being um, so close to the, the main event spot here on the card, being deep on the card, I think, yeah, they do have an opportunity to steal the show and potentially have the best match they've ever had. Um, now, as far as who's going to win, uh, I know Hiromu's whole goal is to break the the junior defense record. Um, so, you, I mean, you could go that route and have him retain. Um, or Desperado could win, which just kind of seems weird, again, because this match kind of came out of nowhere, and then for him to just kind of win and go from there. So I think I'm going to go with Hiromu uh, retaining and then kind of continuing the story of him trying to break the defense record and hopefully beginning of the year things will kind of keep back up with him and his whole quest to break the record yeah i'm sort of expecting someone like a fujita to come back from excursion and time up perfectly to dethrone hiromu um and with that being said i think if that is the case he needs to retain here and a lot of fans are a lot of diehard new japan fans are not going to like that answer but i think that's what's happening the junior title is another one that changes hands all the time in Tokyo Dome. It's changed hands 11 of the last 13 defenses, uh, including nine of the last 10. The only um, the only successful defense in the last, uh, well, since 2011 was when Despy defended against Hiromu in 2022. So I don't know if you run that back. I don't know if that means anything. But again, like the junior title is one that changes hands at the Tokyo Dome. So I I think they might go for the surprise here. I think there's a chance Hiromu was telling his own story when he was talking about doing the defense record. And this is this maybe was always where we were going to end up. So I think they might I think they might pull the surprise and and have Despy win. And I, I'm into that. I think Hiromu is great, but. I think Despy, I think a run with Despy on top of the junior division would be more more interesting to me right now. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be the most interesting, more interesting thing. But 
I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still going Hiromu. So uh, moving on to the next matchup, we got the IWGP Global Heavyweight Title three way match to determine the the first global heavyweight champion. So it will be John Moxley versus David Finley versus Will Ospreay. And we had a question here from Caesar one two three four five six seven eight nine ten W saying what. Does David Finley do after he wins, if he wins, and how do they go about booking him? Oh, it's a deep question. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where we're going with this. Um, you know, I, I was one of those who was pretty bought in on the idea that Will Ospreay was going to retain here, given the fact that his contract isn't up until February. I guess not retain, but, you know, transition to being the new champion from being the old champion um, and do something fresh following that. Um, But with this most recent, uh, you know, surprise that he's challenging Okada to a match in January um, in San Jose, that really kind of throws a kink in some of my ideas, because on the one hand, you could have him be the champion and then he could face Okada maybe that's a non-title situation and he that's possible it's also possible that he could be the the new global champion and then he drops that title to Okada in San Jose um, which would throw a little kink in my idea that Okada is the next IWGP champion uh, challenger Um, but if they're not going those two ways then it seems like they either need to go with John Moxley or what most people kind of believe is the way they're going is David Finley, given the fact that he's a long-term contracted new Japan wrestler, you know, the leader of the bullet club and a guy that's currently under contract and probably will be for the foreseeable future, um, which is not impossible, but I sort of, I've always felt like David Finley was kind of inserted into this match originally based off politics and maybe other people disagree but that's just kind of how I've always seen this match. I've always seen it one where, you know, uh, they didn't want to have John Moxley or Will Ospreay lose. And David Finley's a big enough name who can come in here and, and do that job to one of these two guys. Um, excuse me. He showed up with a giant mallet. How do you say no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was done with my point. I and thought. and New Japan really struggles to replace uh, title belts that have been dilapidated. So they just they were like, "Well, I guess we're done with these. Better yeah. make a new one." <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I think the whole booking of this title was is very weird. Like, why is the quote unquote IWGB committee? essentially allowing the wrestlers <laughs> to control the path of the title like they, hold, hold on before you move on brother the only person that believes there's a committee is just you and me we're the only we're the only voices out there that call them the iwgp committee i'm pretty what sure is? i'm on the committee <laughs> all right chris well Excellent. to you then so yeah it's me <laughs> i uh i also let the devil guys in in the backstage at the other place so. mm, <laughs> makes sense i'm ruining all the things you love <laughs> <laughs> but, th- but think about it, like in a kayfabe sense it's like all right Will Ospreay is allowed to rename the title the UK title, which we've seen in wrestling history. People rename belts or get a custom belt. 
So he yeah. like renames it UK. They acknowledge it and establish it and be like, yeah, it's the UK. And then they allow Finley destroys the belts. And are like, all right, whatever. He destroyed them. So we're just going to make a new belt. We're not going to like re better end that lineage. <laughs> yeah. Like throw the lineage yeah. out because this guy, you know, got a fiend hammer and destroyed the belts. Um, so yeah, it's that the whole booking of this is very weird, convoluted and, but we're here now. And I, like Josh, I was very much of thinking like, all right, I, I think Ben leads in there to eat a pin. You know, they've only done Osprey Moxley once, uh, and that that one U.S. show and that singles match where the, the screw job finish, um, and maybe Tony Khan wants to save that. Maybe that's the Revolution match. Maybe it's the Double or Nothing match. What? Who knows? And, and maybe that's why. And they want to throw Finley in here to make sure it's not a singles and Osprey doesn't pin Mox. Mox doesn't pin Osprey. Um, and I don't. Know, I'm still kind of. Feeling that way, like I feel like the the right thing to do would be, is to have Osprey win, and then he drops it to somebody new beginning, Osaka, whatever their tour is going to be, the big tour, the big show on that tour, and he but, drops but it. How do you account for the Okada thing? He, he beats Okada in San Jose. I don't know. <laughs> I, and and Osprey mentioned like I, he's he said in the promo he's like I'm this confident that I'm going to win this title, and I want Okada after I win the title. So like, it feels like the title is going to be on the line. So, I mean, are they, are they trying to reestablish something like when the IC was kind of that one, a title? I mean, like that's sort of what it feels like. Um, and in that case, I think everyone would go into that match, assuming Okada is going to take that title from will. So will can ride off into the sunset over to Jacksonville, Florida. I think they're going to, they may double swerve you, right? Like, I don't. Is it even a swerve? I mean, they they just might go against your your initial thoughts twice. Swerve me, Chris. I mean, work me, brother. Yeah. But like, I think I think Osprey might win. Might still win this match, and then Osprey might. I, here's the thing: Will Osprey wants people to actually see him beat Kazuchika Okada in a singles match, right? The middle of the G1, I mean, yeah, clean win, good match, fine match, like nothing to, you know, seek out. But he and he won sort of wasted, right? Sort of a wasted moment. So I think Osprey and probably Okada, for that matter, I think they both want people to see it. So they're going to put it in the main event slot at the at the U.S. show. It's the first big show right after the Tokyo Dome, blah, 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 right? That that U.S. show last year had a ton of buzz and some of that was mercedes Monet, but some of it was they dropped after it had sold out they just dropped okada and tanahashi onto it um so like that san jose is like their a city for for u.s shows and again i think osprey and okada both want people to see that you know i hate to be cliche but the end of their story and i think that means osprey wins and then yeah then whoever comes out and challenges is we'll see what level this title is going to be on. That's what I'm most curious about. Like, well, what level are we putting this title on? Well, let me throw it back to you guys then. Okay, so let's say that does happen. One, um, how do you account for what's going to take place with Danielson and Okada? You know, and for instance, is, are we talking about an Okada that's coming off of a loss challenging? Or are we talking about, a guy that just beat Danielson in the dome challenging for that title and then hypothetically losing. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, or or Okada could say, I don't challenge for singles titles that aren't the top title in the company. That's like that. Too. And that's that's the reality of Okada's how Okada operates. Even if even if that's the case, if he's turning around and losing to Will Ospreay after just beating Danielson in the dome, how how does that play out? And then the other thing is, who do you see as being the guy that would hypothetically turn around and challenge Osprey for that spot in February? I mean, uh, the romantic in me says Shoto Amino. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say either Umino or Suji. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then what about the the thing with Okada? Because either it's going to be Okada losing to Danielson or it's going to be Okada coming off of a big career win. Yeah, but what did Okada do after he lost to Jay White at the Dome? I don't remember. That was that's a, a real, that's an actual question. <laughs> I can't remember. I, um, I know that Jay White turned around and beat Tanahashi for the right. title. Um, and then Okada got right back into the picture with New Japan Cup. Who did Okada wrestle in, in between? Was it like Tai Chi or something? I don't know. I'm I'm on my way. Oh. <laughs> that was just what feel- what year was that? 2018? Yeah. I just feel like, you know, the thing is uh with with Okada having that big match against Danielson, I feel like it would be wrong for him to be losing to Danielson a second time in a row. So he needs to win, and then do we really want to be having Okada putting over Osprey on his way out of the company? Maybe that's the case. No, we don't. But does Tony Khan want that? Yeah, no, he does. That doesn't, but does that really matter in this context? <laughs> yeah. It might. It's hard I, to say. I mean, I don't care about it. Truth, like I, that doesn't matter to me. Right. Like what matters to me right now in the, you know, for the for the nature of this conversation is where is this going with New Japan? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tony Khan, I'm sorry, like he doesn't book New Japan. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think I just think the best story to tell is that everyone thinks Osprey's going to lose twice. Mm-hmm. And I think you 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 know, you you get people on the edge of their seat and you have them lose or have them win twice. I just, I agree. I think it's a great story. I just have trouble seeing it with Okada coming off of a hypothetical victory over Danielson, unless he's going to lose to Danielson. That's something I could see being more plausible personally. Well, I mean, if he wins and beats Danielson, I think that that's the solidifying this title match, a challenge Osprey, and then losing. And I think he should beat. Osprey at that point, I don't think we should have him lose to Osprey on the, on a to or, a yeah, I mean, company or maybe that's it. I mean, maybe Okada is the establishing champion of of this title. But, but you know what but, sucks but, about that? What then Osprey is losing to a guy that he's lost to a million times. That's a top star of the company, and he's not putting over young talent on the way out. But think about but he, this. But he just beat him in I their know. most recent singles match. But think about this: if Osprey beats Okada and then a young guy beats Osprey. Doesn't that help that young guy? You, you beat the guy that just beat the guy. It does. I'm not saying you can't salvage it. It does. But I just have trouble seeing them do that to Okada. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're not capitalizing on the momentum of him beating Danielson in the dome necessarily. I'm not saying that you you're wrong. You could be right. I just I have trouble seeing I, it. But Okada's Okada. Right, that's true. So, yeah. like, he's he's impenetrable. I mean, like, he rehabbed that loss against Jay White with a win over Bad Luck Fale. 
And then he buzzed through the New Japan Cup, won the title, and and was on with his life. Like you can you can reheat Kazuchika Okada better than this you know beef tenderloin that I'm eating. <laughs> like and, it's and he, so easy. And he's still yeah. one third of the never six man champion. So what's his next program? Maybe it's again it's Team Hall of Fame defending against some unit and New well Bay. you know how that goes it'll be some unit that he's gonna face and they'll do it on a road to new beginning tour type of show or whatever like they, they do that with him every year except with the tag team titles i think personally and this is the chalk pick and it's the thing that we don't probably want to hear because we're talking about uh kind of like outlandish scenarios uh, it's probably going to be finley winning and getting the new title and then Okada winning and turning around and beating Osprey in January, who is titleless. Sure. And then Okada. And then we'll probably have some big going away match for Osprey that's a non title affair with like Shota Umino or something like that in February. That's probably what's really going to happen. And it's the most like traditional, boring way of, it, of doing it, but that's probably what's going to happen. Mm hmm. Yeah. Also, also, John Moxley's there. We're not even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just such a waste. I, all, th- all three of these guys should probably be in a different match. Mm-hmm. Or should they, book, they book Osprey. themselves into this corner? Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to book it. It's a work. Yeah. Like they, nobody had to do this. Um, I, 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 you know, credit to New Japan. This is the only three way on the show. Um. Everything else is real straightforward. Um, and I don't I honestly don't really mind that. I don't I don't mind, you know, multi-person or extra person matches the same way that some others do, but um yeah, you you know, you just kind of wish this wasn't the, the match. But I get it. They had to get here somehow. Big mallet. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I do think this match is going to be great i know people are not happy about the three-way the new title osprey leaving but if it's one guy that can put together a great multi-man match it's will osprey you have mox who's gonna blade take crazy bumps and then <laughs> you have finley who <laughs> at times do does step up in big situations so i think they have the recipe to have a great match but I, yeah i think the the winner is what's gonna truly uh determine how people feel about the match when it's over Here's the, the thing, belt? though. If if David Finley wins, he's pinning Will Ospreay. Yeah, yeah. He's like, there's no, Oxley. there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I will be floored, like with the details of it, if Finley pins Moxley. Like that to me is the least likely scenario. David Finley's the only guy that didn't get like. It, it, I don't, let's be real. Like the uh, the writing's been on the wall that Ospreay's been trying to get all his shit in, you know, all of his buddy matches in for the last you know nine months to a year um and and they've all been great like he's been on this amazing kind of world tour of getting back in the ring with people that he's had storied histories with uh you know getting getting into the ring with some new people and he's had this incredible run and david finley's the only guy that's always been sort of attached to will osprey that didn't get that kind of really big moment you know, on this particular cycle from Osprey. And I feel like that's where they were headed and they were headed to that happening, you know, and somehow they, whatever, they got access to Moxley and they didn't want him to just second Danielson. So 
he's in the match. So mm-hmm. I feel like the story of the match is still Finley and Osprey. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe also now that I say it out loud, maybe they needed Moxley there to second Danielson for some reason. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's how he got added to the card or that's, you know, like not that Moxley doesn't have a real relationship with New Japan, but maybe that's, I mean, as we transition into talking about probably the next match, like, uh, I'm going to remember that I said that and I'm going to bring it up again. <laughs> if, if there is, if there is uh, an opportunity for them to put the title on a guy and have him be an AEW guy between him and Will, I, I would prefer Will for the short term if Will's dropping it in February, but I don't want to see Will go to AEW with the belt because he'll never come back with it just like Kenny did. But if it's Mox, Mox will come back and defend. Like Mox would actually do everything in his power to be as active of a champion as he would be allowed to be, um, which isn't entirely impossible uh, either. Was it the 2020 New Beginning where it was, where Moxley was, they were in Osaka and they started to set up Moxley, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't happen because of the it, pandemic. It didn't happen because of the pandemic. I wonder if they go back to that. I wonder if Moxley wins, Sabre loses the TV title earlier in the night and they, they somehow turn that into a, a Zack thing. Very possible. I'm yeah. into that. That would be fun for everyone. That could yeah. be a New Year's Dash kind of angle. Yeah, you, you get Zach and yeah. Mox mixed up there. But Zach um, was well, Zach, Mox, and Danielson. Right? Uh, yeah. Maybe you do Danielson, Mox, Zach, and whatever, Tai Chi. And somehow you get to a, a global title match. I don't know. I think I just talked myself into Moxley winning. Zach doesn't team with Tai Chi anymore. He oh shit. <laughs> Teams like Bad Dude Tito. Time is it could be anyone. <laughs> no, it could only be Members of TMDK. Robbie Eagles. Who else is going to be there? Well, Ace, anyone who's in the Rambo. Who else? Is, is there anyone else on <laughs> TMDK on the card? No. <laughs> Not on the main card, no. Yeah. Jonah Rock. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I saw that he's busy. <laughs> um, last thing. I am very excited to see what this new title looks like. I don't. I, maybe it'll matter. Maybe it won't. But I hope it looks good because they've had some pretty atrocious designs um recently so hopefully this one's good and um against my better judgment i'm still going with will i I know that doesn't really totally make sense but i don't pretend to know all the booking but i i still got will here all right so let's move on to the semi main event got a big rematch here between the american dragon brian danielson and the rainmaker kazuchika okada hopefully nobody gets an arm broken here or orbital bone. Well, it's got to be better than the Forbidden Door match. Yeah. Which I I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that for me that's too strong a word. I didn't hate it, but I was disappointed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was awful. And I a lot of that was the seizure spot, which I think a lot of people are Ooh, I are, didn't like that. Yeah, like it just completely deflated the match to me. Um, so, and I get it. Like, I listen, I know why it happened. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, people, people often will, you know, as they're analyzing something, they'll, they'll give deference to the reason that it happened. I Same, but I, I can also then, you know, on the, on the side of that say it's, it was bad. Like it wasn't the right pivot. And when you look at, 
you know, when I look at matches, my favorite matches of the year, my favorite match this year was Naito Osprey from the G1 semis because I thought it was beautiful how Will dragged Naito through the end of that match. And mm. it was just this perfect pro wrestling thing, right? The loser of the match carried the end of the match so that they did the finish that they had planned or at least something that you could believe they would have planned. And then you look at another match at, at with a lot of eyeballs on it that a lot of people were looking forward to that um, needed a pivot in the middle because somebody got hurt and we do a seizure spot with a doctor, right? So, and we're still, we're talking the same language barriers, right? So that's, that's why I think that that match sucked is because the G1 semi match happened um, shortly thereafter. And it made me realize how bad that particular pivot was. Mm -hmm. So with all that said, I am so stoked for this match to wash out the bad taste that, 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 that their first match left in my mind or left in my mouth. So I'm super excited for this match. I think that, I think that they're going to come in guns blazing, right? Danielson is, on top of his game he has been i mean you know i thought that when he was headed into the other match but he's somehow better now like he's just (laughs) crushing it and like just when you think this dude has peaked like his peak is you can't find it you know darby allen's looking for his peak on mount everest (laughs) he's looking for brian danielson's top so you know i'm i'm extremely excited for this match i think the finish is like I think the finish is so important. Like whatever they end up doing, right? The second time Okada has ever tapped out was to Brian Danielson just a couple months ago. So like, how do we, how do we balance that? Right? How do we, what are we, what are, what are we, what's new Japan getting out of that? Yeah. uh, I think there's so much interesting stuff going into this match. And like you mentioned, Chris, Brian's been on fire in the C2, all his matches have been great. And a lot of those matches have been storytelling around the eye. He has a whole like eye gear patch thing on and people have been working. It's on his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> working the eyes and bleeding from the eye. And it, that's a, a, been a big part of the story. And with that match, obviously that plays into this match as well. As far as also Okada breaking Danielson's arm. Then you have Okada tapping out. There's so much stuff that they can tease. So I think, yeah, Okada will work over the eye, work over the arm, and I think Brian will look to try and submit him again. I think you definitely do a spot where you put him in the same hole, but Okada gets the rope this time, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of great callbacks and near submission, near fall things they can do in this match. I think it will end up being better than the Forbidden Door match, and I, I think you got to. this needs to end with Okada hitting a Rainmaker on, on Danielson and, and pinning him. I mean, I guess you could do the, the money clip route and have him <laughs> tap Danielson pass Danielson out. I, no, I don't think tap, that's that the story. Money, but... Like, I don't, I don't think the story is tap for tap, right? right? Like the story is, I guess, eye for an eye, arm mm. for an arm, right? Yeah. Like, so may, I think you'll see a money clip. I mean, I listen, it's going to happen. Grab mm. a hold, brother. But like, I don't think that's the right finish. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think the right finish is Okada wax a rainmaker. Probably a few, right? Mm. Danielson's a guy that you know, you think you got him and then he's he's going to do a big kick out and the dome's going to go crazy. This match, assuming nothing terrible happens, right? And, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing I said before the G1 final in 2021. Like, assuming nothing terrible happens, 
you know, Bushi and Okada are going to have a great match. And then, you know, arms are broken and, you know, maybe it's something about Okada. I don't, he's, he's, <laughs> it's always a passive injury though, mm-hmm. but, um, this, this match is going to be hot. I'm, I think they're, they know, they know, they know they've got to wash, you know, wash the bad taste out of that last match. And I, I think that they're, you know, a motivated Okada plus a motivated Danielson, like how you can't get better than that. Like guys, they're going to have some chips on their shoulders. I think what you do is you have Brian, quote unquote, break Okada's arm in the match. And then Okada is forced to do the Raymaker with the opposite arm. And he gets to win that way. Would that that be a left armed Rainmaker? Yeah. Weak side Rainmaker? (laughs) Western Rainmaker? These are great uh, hypotheses and theories of how it'll play out. And I, I, if it does, I think the match sounds like it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, my, my whole thing is basically the first match was very good, but was also disappointing from us. Some of the standpoints that Chris laid out and where it should have been. And like he said, provided nothing goes wrong, there's no reason that this shouldn't be easily the match of the night, in my opinion, uh, just given the stage and who these guys are and their creativity and their ability, this should go down as a legendary matchup. I expect Okada to win. I think some of the uh, finishes you guys proposed are pretty inventive and would be really cool. Um, you know, I'm glad too that given his recent um, busy schedule, that Danielson hasn't, to the best of our knowledge, been like injured or seriously incapacitated from, per, you know, um, competing in this match so i'm really looking forward to it uh in my opinion this is the match i'm most looking forward to and i think it'll probably be the show stealer honestly yeah so then let's talk about the main event now for the iwgp world heavyweight title the champion sonata will defend against the g1 climax winner tetsuya naito and we had a question here from Weston Gibbons. It's pretty open-ended, but what do y'all think is the most interesting story Sonata and Naito could tell in the ring? I imagine the people will be firmly behind Naito, right? Do you think they fully lean in and have Sonata work more heel? Oh, that's interesting. I, what's a heel Sonata look like? <laughs> <sighs> is he a face? Is he... A- uh, We've seen him work heel in the past, just not in a while. Yeah, I mean, well, Lij, Lij, really at the beginning was real tweeny. Yeah, so, they, I mean, they were more heel leaning. I think towards they, the yeah, beginning, they, they were heel leaning, and then they got super over. <laughs> they were doing outside interference spots quite a bit in the early stages. Yeah, um, maybe. Well, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they should go that way. You know, the question I had for you guys, and this is kind of my own personal theory. I know a lot of the LIJ apologists and the Naito stands have kind of talked about how popular, uh, how well the tickets have done and how big of a match this is in that market and everything. And I got to tell you, maybe that's true. I'm, I'm not claiming to understand the inner workings of the Japanese fan base in the market, but that just doesn't jive with what I'm seeing for the past six, seven months from Sonata and his, the reactions he gets from the crowd and, and everything. 
to me, and this is my hypothesis, and maybe you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I think the reason that this match is doing so well and ha- and has so much intrigue in the market is because those fans love Naito and they know he's going to win <laughs> and they don't expect him to lose. And what's what's the the draw of the match is the golden the golden roll call, not the lore and you know the battle of titans of these two former teammates. I don't think anyone gives a fuck about that because they don't care about Sonata. I think they just want to see. Naito get his last crowning achievement in the dome. I think that's the whole selling point. Yeah. There's no there's no question about that to me. The tickets are selling. They're selling better than last year. I think, you know, I mean, if I'm throwing a number out there, I think I know that they were above 20K like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and walk up for the dome is usually pretty good. So we're probably looking at a 30K dome, which is like not that far it, off from heyday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good that's a good house. Um, and you know what? The last time there was 30k plus in the dome was for Naito. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the man's a draw, we know that. Um, he did seem to be teasing that he wants to do that, they're gonna do a show in the Hiroshima Stadium, um, his favorite baseball team. So, they, they were talking about that on his big interview thing on YouTube, which is fantastic and, and subtitled on, um, you guys, you, maybe you guys talked about it last week and I missed it, but um, it's out there. And and his his promo, he he hardly talks about Sonata. He talks about you know reaching the pinnacle and and you know <laughs> everything but Sonata. And then Sonata talks about everything but Naito in his in his promo video. So and the, all those videos are are tremendous work. I mean, some of the best kind of promo work you'll see. But. Um, yeah, the story is Naito doing the roll call. And honestly, like they should LIJ should be in the ring kind of like the end of a tag match where they're all kind of pivoting and like playing blocker, making sure no one runs into the ring because yeah. otherwise otherwise this man's going to get said bashed in again and maybe by <laughs> Danielson, who knows. Oh, that'd be crazy. That would be that hey, it'd be something. That could happen. You never know. Yeah. He'll be there. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that the, you know, if, you know, Shingo losing could depend on if Sonata wins. I know you, you guys kind of grimaced, and I know everybody is expecting Naito to win. The story's there, the golden roll call, but I just want to throw this out here. Everything that's been built up in the interviews, in the media, in the video packages has made Sonata look like the underdog, like Sonata has no chance Sonata's been very aloof and not caring and building the matchup or promos. Is this to set up the upset of Sonata winning? Because everybody, everybody, it's already a done fact. Everybody's like, Naito's winning. Is this another swerve where we think Naito's winning and Sonata pulls it out? I think very potentially it was the only way you could make the match interesting. Which was to like to like bait people into being like Sonata has been so bad at this <laughs> that he might be winning. Like that's a real thing that I'm seeing out there in the New Japan world, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are saying, like, man, it's almost too obvious. And right. like, I don't know, maybe it's the right time for the too obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think if that's the case, then uh, we're missing the mark because they've probably lost, like 
lost a lot of opportunity to make money with the guy for the being champion on top this long. So it does that wouldn't make good business sense to me, but maybe, you know, I can't, I can't fully deny it, but maybe, um, one thing I was sort of thinking about, and this is pretty, uh, is, is Jay white still in the C2 or is he done? He's in he is still in, he's yeah, in the three way three-way tomorrow. Yep. What if hypothetically, is there a possibility? And this is like very outlandish, but is there a possibility that he is the one who ends up winning that thing on January 30th? And then that would give him the excuse to show back up in new Japan, because even though, yeah, he's not allowed to, if he's the strong champion, who knows? And that would really, if, if hypothetically, let's say I'm just giving an example, there's probably a lot of things why this would be wrong. You know, there's a lot of like politics and stuff and different people holding different titles, but, what if we get the rolling call rolled call? Everything's done. Boom, the gold confetti. You think it's over. And then suddenly, as LIJ as a unit about to walk down, you hear you hear that music. And then, bro, people because that would be Japanese, sick, actually. The Japanese audience would want Jay White back so yeah. fucking bad at that point. And he's like the one guy, aside from like Kenny Omega, that if they brought him back, he'd really make a huge difference. And he'd be the talk of the wrestling world for that week. And you know, that'd be, he had some killer matches with Naito. Him and Naito had great matches. But it doesn't make any well. It would be tough because he'd be the new triple crown champion, but still. Well, you'd be I'm the, just saying. Also, like the strong, you know, like that's not really that level in New Japan, the strong title. And I mean, I would hate it from like a story perspective, like, but also they totally wasted his departure. Not, right. not the Hikaleo side. I think that was fine. But like then just running it back with Eddie Kingston in the US, that didn't really like why? Why was he the guy? That's not a long term story. If the only reason I throw this out there is because if there was one guy from AEW that you wanted to bring in and you don't have a, a tailor made ready opponent for Naito that you think you can do big business with off the back of this event, you bring Jay White back, you could do a huge building in February. Oh, oh absolutely. That mm. tour's booked though, so they're not they're they're not gonna move into a bigger building and they don't well, I, they're they're I, not in well, I, they're I not in, they're not in the big building either. They're not doing like like in twenty twenty they did Osaka Joe Hall for New Beginning. Right. Right? They're not they're in Edion and actually Osaka's not even the end of that tour this year. Well, so. I never know where anything is, so that's my fault. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you're the voice of a of a generation. <laughs> um I I I would hate it and love it all at the same time because it would be it would be so, you know, such strange booking to say like you can never come back and you can't wrestle for us in America either. And then like, like but really just like title. full cut off, like really trying to chop this dude's legs off and say like you're never coming back. And maybe, but maybe that's what makes it more surprising if and when he does. So while I agree, it would be awesome. I don't, I don't see that being the play. But yo, I would pop. I'd pop right out of my seat. It'd be five a.m. I'd be waking up the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as far as like C two booking, I think we're we're heading for a Moxley Kingston finals uh, this coming Saturday at World's End. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Jay White showing up would be cool, and yeah, there's there's definitely business and stories to be told with him coming back. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I, I threw that whole Sonata situation out there, but I think I'm going to go with the safe pick of Naito winning. 
We got the the golden roll call T-shirts. Everything's kind of building that way. You know, Tanahashi's talking about wanting to sell a dome out next year and big plans for 2024. And yeah, I think you you finally get that long Naito run that we were supposed to get in 2020. And he's on top, and we go for go from there. It doesn't need to be too long. I mean, I'm I'm wondering how long this guy's going to stick around with his eyes and his knee. You never know, but uh. You know, let's get that golden roll call and see a Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's going to uh, wrap up the uh, Wrestle Kingdom 18 preview and predictions. Let's uh, run through the news and some questions here. Yeah. So very briefly, uh, we already touched base on it earlier all throughout the show, but an announcement was made Friday evening that the eight time IWGP heavyweight champion uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi has been named the new president and Re- representative director of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, the, the appointment came with uh, NJPW's board of directors and shareholders made that uh, decision. Takami Obari, who's been the champ or been the president since 2020, uh, will step down effective December 23rd. So this already taken place. Uh, they also named uh, Michiaki Nishizawa. Um, he has all, he was a director that has also stepped down and in their places, Hitoshi Matsumoto, who is the chief of business production for TV Asai and Tara Okada, the president and CEO of uh, Bushiroad Fight. They've been, uh, named directors of the company. Okada will be director on a part-time basis. And we had a lot of questions about this. Uh, we'll run through it. You guys can give us, you know, your quick thoughts because we got other questions to get to as well, but. Dom Homie 101 said thoughts on President Tanahashi and will you guys do a review of his first 100 days in office? <laughs> That's clever. We, we should. <laughs> I don't feel qualified to do that. <laughs> I also, I mean, like on a serious side, like I don't think this is one of those situations where things happen quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think he's going to do some cool stuff and I think hopefully we see things kind of level out and, and in, in the fan favor. I think that's the biggest thing that the president of New Japan does, which is pay attention to what the fans want. Um, and then know that you've got a plan to get there. Even if you're not getting there immediately or at the exact moment that the fans want you to get there, that you're gonna, you're gonna give them that payoff. Cause that's pro wrestling, especially in Japan. Like that's such a big piece. So a hundred days, probably not enough time, but <laughs> I, I do understand the, I understand the reference. Like I've, I'm the meme po- pointing up that I understand it. <laughs> um, he, Tanahashi just did a big, big interview that was translated for new japan uh, 1972.com while we were while we've been talking um oh another one yeah well yeah so he did the press conference which i actually thought he presented himself really well he said that his biggest goal or his the first goal that he really put out there as president of new japan is to sell at the tokyo dome and i think i think that's a neat you know i think that's a good goal i mean that that's that's a big tell to, to the to the state of the business for New Japan, right? And I think we're going to see that a little bit this year too with some growth. And, you know, I think the best way to sell the Tokyo Dome, whether anyone wants to hear it or not, I mean, he might be setting up to say he's retiring at the Tokyo Dome. Mm. Um, and that would be a hell of a way to sell out the Tokyo Dome as the president of the company. So I, I don't want that. I want to be clear. Like, I, I, I don't think it's time for that. Um, but... Um, I think that that's a cool goal. I don't think that'll pay off for maybe a couple of years. If not, you know, I know he mentioned that 2025, the fourth is on a Saturday. So um, I think he's at 2025. Is that right? Yeah. So it would be, so next year's 24th. So yeah. The fall. Yeah. 25 would be Saturday. 
Yeah, which was the last time they did a real big house at the Dome. They had a Saturday. So they they did 40K plus for the first night of 2020. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's got a little bit of a vision. I think that um, I think he's got a good team around him, too, and a team of kind of new guys. So um, but he's got, you know, I think I think I'm not going to regurgitate the whole thing as I've been kind of scrolling through it just now. Like, I think it's worth going to 1970 NJPW1972.com and, and checking out everything he has to say, because he, he also speaks a bit about um sonata and that's uh there's some interesting stuff in here i think the aggregators might find some goods in here <laughs> um dragon master adam says you think gato will respect tana's leadership more than the old regime with the rumors that obari made the rewa three musketeers without consulting him and gato not wanting to push them that much uh you think tana could tighten up the communication within the company if that was the case so i guess that's where i read what i had mentioned earlier <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, we don't really know um, about a lot of the backstage communication, who's saying what, who's doing what. But what we do know is Tanahashi is very well respected uh, amongst the wrestlers and the peers. And I'm sure him and Gato probably have a, a good relationship. So if there were or is any communication issues, I, I think that him and Gato have, I think, communicated very well, at least what we can tell over the last you know decade plus. And so I think that it would be good to have somebody, a good relationship between the president and the booker if Gato is still going to be booking. Rainbow and Slam Pig said, what do you think the president Tanahashi will uh, prioritize first? Anything that will be visible or noticeable to the fans or mostly behind the scenes stuff? He also asked, initially, there were rumors of Okada leaving NJPW. Recently, the rumors are he's most likely to stay. Is the new president part of the reason for that change? Yeah, I mean, potentially, I know I've seen a lot of kind of conspiracy theories, people being like, this whole Barry Bloom thing was Okada's way to get Obari out and Tanahashi in, that was kind of a bargaining chip. I don't know, I feel like the Okada stuff has been kind of quiet the last uh, week or so with him leaving, so I don't know. Um, but as far as what Tanahashi's going to do first, again, um, like Chris was saying, I think the, the president is really going to be listening to the fans, so... I it might again. It's not gonna be right away, but maybe after the first quarter of the year, we might see. Maybe there's certain people who get pushed. Maybe there's certain different events. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll see. Uh, MJ does PR says now that Tana is our president, how's he going to navigate issues like pay, contracts, and cuts? Will he run into trouble managing the business while still being an active competitor? We've seen. I mean, New Japan has done this before, and. Certainly, business is different now, and you know. But I think I think this move, I think the move to put Tanahashi in the role that he wanted, he's wanted this. This is not the company asking him to put the company on his back this time. This is him asking to to lift up the company. Um, I think that he's in a position to be mindful of kind of the human side of the pro wrestling world, right? Like what's best for the wrestlers, what's best for the fans, what's best for business, right? And the, oftentimes, what's best for the people executing the business, the wrestlers, and the fans, the people consuming the business, is what's best for business, right? I hate to use a, you know, Triple H-ism, but, <laughs> like, that's the God's honest truth. And I don't think, and I know that kind of the business structure of pro wrestling in Japan is not nearly as 
dynamic as it is in the US where you're talking about David Zaslav is like a, you know, prime guy that we're talking about in the pro wrestling world. And we're talking about TV ratings down to the minutia of, you know, whatever, minute to minute and quarter hours and da 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 da. It's not like that. In in Japan, it's like tickets sold. Like how many tickets did you sell? Which is why Tanahashi's first goal is to sell out the Tokyo Dome. Like how many tickets did you sell? Like, sure. Of course, he's going to look at gate and he's going to have some, you know, I guess human resources side. But um, I think his primary concern is going to be to make the product hot again and to make wrestlers want to wrestle in New Japan, because I think that's what's I think I think we've seen a reduction in that. I don't think I don't want to say that's missing because I think, you know, most people who know and most people who wrestle like they know it's still the best place to go and wrestle. Right. Look at Gates of Agony right? Like they had a great world tag league tour and they clearly came out of that better wrestlers. And, you know, I think you hate to say that that's what brings people in and it's not the money because there's got to be some money. But I think if the product's hot and people want to be there, you see, you'll see people show up in, in different ways. Um, and maybe Tanahashi's the guy to be a little bit more creative with that because he sort of knows what's possible from a wrestler's side. Craig D says, um, what do you think will be a realistic change Tanahashi can make and what change would you personally want to see realistic or not? What's, what's one thing you guys would like, just one real quick thing you'd like to see him change this year. Two blocks of 10 in the G1. That's what Next. I was going to say. <laughs> and, okay. and no, and no semifinals in any of the, the singles tournaments. Death's uh, Triangle 720 says, with the huge news of Boss Ace in office, are any of you guys worried Tana might not do um, any of the changes that fans hope for? So are we worried that, there, you know, quick answer, do you think that there's a chance he might not change anything? Uh, I think he definitely will. Um, the whole goal of one sell Tokyo Dome, like he's, I think he's going to want to, again, make the fans happy, make the wrestlers happy. He's the one guy that kind of knows both, you know, as being one of the top stars and then being well-respected. I think he kind of knows how to listen to both sides of the fence. And I think we'll see some cool stuff. Nice. I don't, I don't know that we'll ever know what he like does on the, on the president side, unless he tells us. So, right. I think that that's important to put out there too. Death triangle 720. If you're Tanahashi, should he look at the roster and cut certain people who aren't financially beneficial to the company's future? Do you think you should make any cuts guys? I don't think that's how you get the wrestlers on your side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Death uh, Triangle 720 says, do you think it's possible for Tanahashi? Should he negotiate with TV Asai about the hard copyright on fans? I, I don't know if that's going to be a top priority for him. <laughs> that also just, it's just, it's cultural. It's not like one person that just made some weird thing. Like it's just how copyright and product ownership works over there i mean there's a reason the reason that certain things from the past like new japan doesn't own any of the footage well they own very little of the footage that's actually on new japan world like it's all owned by tv sahi so it's Mm -hmm. theirs they can do whatever they want with it new japan has literally very little to do with it which i agree sucks but also like it's just it's just how it is it's it's how it's been for like four years and we're still we still it still comes up all the time and it's just like I don't know, man. It's their stuff. They can do what they want with it. They, I'm sure they understand the benefit of, of the gifts and things going out there, but they just, I, it ain't coming back. It's just one of those things. You got to let it go. 
Last thing, he said, do you think if Tanahashi decided to retire in 2024 and did a big show like Muto, would it bring in a large attendance? And I think we can all agree, yeah. Yes. Definitely I, well, if he if his real goal is to sell out the Dome, he knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Lee Chang is Bay 2 asked, what are your overall opinions of Takami Obari? Did he do well as president in New Japan or was he mid? I personally think New Japan lost a lot of momentum under his regime. I don't think it was him. I think... Uh, I think that big old pandemic had something to do with it. And then just Japan, right? Like Japan was the slowest to return and the the quickest, one of the quickest to shut down. So, um, and you know, it just, and when, when they were back with the cheering and, you know, I mean like, listen, this show last year, we were talking about the fact that the Tokyo dome was going to be the first cheering crowd since 2020. It's only been a year since that happened. So like that wasn't, that long ago that we got cheering crowds back in new japan so you know obari is not responsible for that so i think he came in with a business mindset coming into a humongously tremendously successful company on the rise and he was going to take the business side of it even further like that was obari's role at the you know in 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 20 whatever 19 and he didn't get a chance to do that. He had to navigate a pandemic. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to hard to judge because yeah, and, you know, and, there's, a, there's and, some factors in there. And to your point earlier, Chris, like we will never always know what the president actually does or does not do. So I can't tell you whether Abari actually did a good job or not because I don't know what was his calls, right. what was not his calls, what was Bushi Road's call, what was TBSI's calls. Like we don't know. Last couple things he says. Uh, do you get or she? I don't know. They said do you. Uh, do you guys think Osprey and Okada possibly leaving New Japan led to Bushi Road finally replacing Obaru Tanahashi as president? Under his leadership, New Japan lost guys like Jay and Ibushi too. He also said, with Tanahashi as president, do you think the booking committee will change in any way, such as new voices in the committee room like Tana himself or Gato stepping down as head booker? I, Gato's had a hell of a run. And, you know, what's the shelf life of a great booker? Usually like four years historically. Right. Right. And that's, you know, for a great booker. And that's for a great booker. And usually in the US, uh, we've never, this, this run's been unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure, I don't know. I, I, do, that doesn't mean it's happening. It doesn't mean anything's changing. Maybe, maybe there's just, there just needs to be a voice of reason in the room. And maybe that's someone with some muscle, both figuratively and literally. Um, but a lot of what they're doing is also working. I mean, look at Tokyo Dome sales. They're yeah. they're good. They're gonna they're gonna surpass. They're gonna put themselves near where they were. Not necessarily the 2020 Dome shows, but the 2018, 2019 shows, and that's a pretty good spot. And the prices are they're they're more expensive. You know, whatever the yen doesn't go as far when you're talking about you know things happening in the U.S. But um, I I I I'm hopeful that it doesn't change but they kind of just go back to basics right they go back to two blocks in the g1 and and simple stories and and build from there um and i don't know i don't know what that's like on the wrestler side stuff like that like maybe the this new scheduling kind of piece has been good for wrestlers and tana would know that better than anyone else so i think if we continue to see it you know beyond this year because they may have their whole they may have all their buildings booked for for 2024 
Um, so they may need to fill some dates. But um, I think if we see that beyond this year, then we'll know that it was it's the right call. It's what the wrestlers wanted. So um, all that to say, you know, I think he'll probably have a voice, but he probably already did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, last thing I'll say about all that, as far as um, Tanahashi being president, I don't know if it's going to be a disaster or if it's going to be fantastic, but the one thing he has going for him that's a little bit different than many of the other wrestler presidents in Perezu history, one, he's winding down his in-ring career and kind of is probably realistic about that aspect of it. And then number two, the guy's always been uh, very giving, uh, willing to put other people over and willing to put the the betterment of the company ahead of his own personal, you know, uh, goals. So uh, maybe it'll be a disaster. Maybe it'll be great, but he does have that unique selflessness that is going for him. So that's great. Um, He did do that press conference that uh, Chris alluded to. And in the press conference talked about a few different things mentioned, he will stay on the road with the wrestlers, but when they're in Tokyo, he'll be in his uh, capacity as the president talked about how he still has aspirations to win the IWGB world heavyweight title, since that's a title he hasn't yet to uh, win. And then, um, you know, talked about his dual role and how there's going to be new challenges with that, but he's never been tired before, so he'll be fine. (laughs) Um, Jumping into other news while speaking as part of NJPW's Wrestle Kingdom 18 interview series, Osprey issued a challenge to Okada for NJPW's battle in the Valley He said he's so confident that he'll be the first ever IWGB global heavyweight champion that he wants to defend that title against Okada in San Jose. So uh, very likely that's taking place for the title. Um, Also, Katsuyori Shibata has signed with AEW with permission from New Japan. One has to wonder if that has anything to do with new management under Tanahashi. Maybe this is the first change that he made. Um, Hard to say, but uh, Shibata is officially with AEW, no longer under contract to New Japan. Um, Shuri will be challenging Mayu Iwatani for the IWGP Women's uh, Championship on January 4th at the Stardom Show taking place earlier in the day prior to Wrestle Kingdom. Doki is the winner of the fourth annual Concurso. We got a question from MJ Does PR. He says, was Drill Maloney robbed in the Concurso? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, Doki choked. I mean, Doki, Doki should have won last year. <laughs> yeah, he should have. Um, but so maybe maybe Drill will win next year. I mean, he finished second, and yeah. he, you know he's no Doki. Uh, Rev Pro High Stakes Sunday, February eighteenth, twenty twenty four, Crystal Palace National Sports Center. Gabe Kidd versus Shingo Takagi, as well as uh, Michael Oku versus Will Osprey for the Rev Pro British title were both announced. And finally, in the news, Noah, the New Year twenty twenty four, twelve man tag team elimination match: Daiki Inaba, Junta Miyawaki. Kaito Kiyomiya, Ryohei Oiwa, Shotomino, and Shuji Kondo against all six members of the House of Torture. And that's going to do it for the news. Yep, so going into uh, questions at Tronzilla 2. And I'll remind you guys, we're we're at the three-hour mark, so we want to keep these answers real short. Well, we started it. We're, we're at 240. Oh, we're at 240, so, you know. But <laughs> we're, at two, we're at 240 because we had, we had some talking to do. Prior. Chris only got 30 minutes left. That's true. I got I got a hard bedtime tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to keep it short. Uh, so at Tronzilla 2 says, with NJPW starting to market to different audience, will they start to market different audiences? There's millions of people around the world that are into Japanese anime, magna, video games, and movies. 
I remember an anime meme video of Ibushi and Osprey going viral and many people wondering how to watch. I remember being a, at a job orientation and the instructor telling us about Satori whiskey. Then I explained about Kanamaru spitting whiskey at people and everyone asking me how to watch it. How can they reach these audiences rather than going for the WWE audience? Get hot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta get hot. It worked yeah. once. It's yeah. worked a couple times. Yeah, they, they, they got to find a way to get hot and crack into mix up popular again. I mean, the elite got hot. Um, each band as a whole got hot, hot and it sold out Mass Square Garden. And so, yeah, they're trying to recover from. I mean, I mean, New Japan's done movies. They've done mangas. They've done animes. They've done video games. These are not like things that they've never, ever tried to crack into those spaces before. They've done it with success in the past, but they need to get hot. You know, I don't think they that they just try to go after one target audience, you know? Yeah. Uh, next question here from a friend of Chris Barney says, Hey, Chris question for the pod tomorrow. Who do you think will win the new Japan cup and G one this year? And how many times will the IWGP world heavyweight championship change hands this year? He's going to give his prediction. He says new Japan cup, Jeff Cobb, G one Zach Sabre jr. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I could tell you what I hope, right? I hope for both of those tournaments to get to be won by young up and comers. Cause I just yep. think I, you know, I want to see, honestly, I think it's like Suji wins the new Japan cup. And I think, I think Shoto Mino is the first of the new generation to win the G1. Hmm. Um, my other hope would be that Zach, I agree. I would love a Zack Sabre Jr. G1 win. He's got the tournament history. You know, there's a lot to lean on there. I just don't know. I, you know, I, I, I think he could carry himself into a dome show. Um, You'd have to it, really build pretty him up big though. Year. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you know, I, I, I would love it though. You know that mm-hmm. I, I'd be really into it. So I, I I'm not going to discount that, that, that I would really enjoy that, but I do think, I think it's time. I think it's time to just see what you got and, I think, I, and I think do too, it with at least one of the tournaments. Yeah, I think, too, with Wrestle Kingdom being on a Saturday, like you mentioned, if you do Tanahashi's retirement show, then you can put Zach. I don't think he's – do you think he's retiring? I, I don't. I'm just saying, like, if you, if, there, I know. if they were to I do know. that, then that's a big enough draw where you could do Zach. You do whatever you want, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, speaking to that aspect of it, People have always asked us, what's the future of Tanahashi and dad's status and blah, blah, blah. And we've always said, like, it just didn't seem right for him to move full-fledged into a dad role. Like, how how is that going to work with his legendary status? He's not, you know, one of these. He's not Nagata or, or Tenzan. Or he's Kojima. Muto. Yeah, he's Muto. He's not coming from the Dark Ages. He's one of the biggest stars ever. And that's why I think this presidential role is a, a bit more befitting of his station and... If he were to retire, that would make sense. Um, you know, there's also nothing saying that that uh, he wants to sell at the Tokyo Dome at a Wrestle Kingdom event. That's that, true. That's so, true. Yeah. So that could be, you know, whatever. Next summer, they could book the dome, or honestly, the the surefire way to sell at the dome, Tanahashi retirement, and if they're tearing down the Tokyo Dome, like the last Tokyo Dome. So yeah, I'm very worried about that. I I'm also, I mean, like legitimately it's worth, we can't go into it now, but it's worth being worried about. 
Um, and Cork and Hall too. At, yeah, yeah. Well, if they tear down the dome, Cork and goes a bunch of venues go, a bunch yeah. of venues go because they're so close. And I don't even want to think about it. So like, but shoot, if people wouldn't show up, you know, I mean, mm. like you, you could, you could put a shoot sixty k in there for that event. I, I agree with your. I'd be there. I agree uh, with yeah. your hopes there, uh, Chris. One last thing I'll throw in there is I, I don't see Naito having a a super lengthy title reign i don't see him holding it all year and going to the dome of the next year's champion i just i don't think his body's gonna hold up man. do you think like sakura genesis do you think new beginning yeah. do you think i think he loses it the first quarter yeah not not dominion no yeah i agree yeah i, I think, think I, yeah I, I think i think whoever wins the new i think whoever wins be pretty cup's gonna beat him yeah yeah, and they have kind of been teasing like a little dissension between Naito and Suji. So like if Suji did win a New Japan Cup, I think that would be cool to have Suji beat him for the title at Secure Genesis. Uh, moving on to the next question from Zach Tay 8 What are your thoughts on Kushida's contract with TNA slash Impact? Could you see more wrestlers making this move? He wants um, to live in the US. Yeah. Like who, who wants it. to live in the US who also turned their back on the company and isn't part of the dojo and <laughs> isn't going to be allowed to move up to heavyweight and you know it's just kushida kushida is the one guy in this very specific situation and yeah they weren't doing shit with him anyway so uh, good on him you know <laughs> uh next question here from mr dormant says it's bash hope you had a, a great christmas and new year what's your favorite njpw theme present you have ever received from someone thought i would mix it up since everyone else will be asking about Tana becoming the president. Hope you had to both have a top new year to you. Thanks to all the entertainment you give me every year. Uh, my wife, uh, 2019, I was going to go to the G1 Dallas and I did not because we had a concert to go to. That was a, you know, that was Dave Matthews band. Um, my wife's a big DMB fan. We had pretty much go every year and that was when it was. So I couldn't go to Dallas. So as soon as New Japan announced that they were coming to New York, she bought us plane tickets and tickets to the show. And we went to New York and saw them at uh, Hammerstein. So that was pretty cool. And I have another one. When I left my last shoot job, um, my team, they didn't know where to get a New Japan shirt. So they got a New Japan shirt printed for me. Um, so, and it was just so kind and it's, <laughs> it's, uh, the colors of the company that I worked for and it's, it's, it was very clever. So, um, those were two very kind new Japan gifts that have been given to me. Nice. I've gotten quite a few. And if I don't list one that someone <laughs> else has given me, uh, you know, I, I'm just shooting off the hip trying to remember, but there's two that come to mind. One, um, somebody, well, one of my buddies last year in the secret Santa, uh, collected the, Antonio Inoki uh, passing um, a newspaper and actually framed it and gave that to me. And I'd asked on the air and on social media for somebody to get one of those copies to me, but I never actually anticipated to receive it. And he, he made it happen and put it in the frame. And I've got that hanging over the desk as we record now, which is really cool. Also my girlfriend for, I think it was my birthday a couple of years ago. She got me, a um oh man i always forget the the guy that does the posters i forget his name but the guy that does all the artwork for the posters um she got me one of the the tokyo dome shirts that he did like an actual vintage new japan tokyo dome shirt i think it's from the the show that chono 
won the t- won the belt. So it's like from like '98 or something like that. But it's really really cool. I've only worn it once. I worn it. I wore it to the uh, the LA show where I was with you guys, and that's mm. the only time I've ever worn it because it's white. And I'll, I'll definitely fuck it up. But <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I think a couple years ago, uh, Zach Porter from the show he got me um, a Kojima shirt. Um, I got you a Kojima shirt. Yeah, I think Zach got me one. Oh. Got me like a white, one of the white Kojima. Or was it a Kojima? I can't remember now, but it was one of, one of the cool like Japanese authentic shirts. Um, this year, I got a uh, New Japan mouse pad. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, functional. Pretty cool. Yeah, love that. Uh, let's see. Next questions here from Death Triangle Seven Twenty. Uh, he says, "Curious question: What are your opinions on the poster designs for New Japan?" They've been better in the past. I don't have one. I don't have an opinion. I like this year's Wrestle Kingdom one. I like this year's Re- Wrestle Kingdom is usually very good, but yeah. by and large, I feel like in the past they had much better kind of inventive designs, and they've kind of become sort of generic lately. I feel like in the past they really highlighted the main events. Yeah, mm. and like so, yeah. If I'm thinking back to seeing like some of the 2013 2014 like posters it's like they knew what the main event was real far out and they they put them as towers right and then everyone else just kind of around so i think that um yeah i think maybe that's what's missing or maybe they're, they're featuring too many too many wrestlers and maybe some of that's just that they don't have anyone to really lean on unless you've got okada or naito in that big spot mm-hmm. yeah he's like they're kind of like the WWE approach of like yeah you just throw everybody on the poster and go from there <laughs> nagatoshi sakai that's the artist who always does those animated posters for new japan he's got a very distinct art style nice uh death Frank also asks of the older talent in the god and suzuki who should they, who should be added to the booking team i don't know i don't know who is actually a good booker <laughs> i'm under the impression that nagata has a real loud voice in a lot of different areas. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Yeah, definitely heavy involvement with the whole team, NJPW, and the team that competes for amateur wrestling. So I, I could see him having um, some play in the booking. Uh, next question here from Pussy Destroyer 83619. Do you think NJPW has taken too long in building the new crop of domestic talent? It feels like they skipped a generation. They only have Okada and Naito at the top, and the rest feels miles away. I mean, I've talked about this a lot, even on just this show, but yeah, like sort of, but also not really. I think that it's all, it's all coming together now, which is really cool to see. Um, in the sense of feeling like they skipped a generation, I get that because the last big comebacks, the last big returns were like the great Okan and master Watto, like that era real tough to come back mid pandemic and get over and know that you got over even for that matter. Um, and I think that some of this current generation was supposed to be a part of that generation, but that got slowed down. Umino probably should have been back two years ago. Suji, maybe shortly after that, you, you know, I think, I think we lost a year, um, of, of these guys development. So, you know, in that way, yeah, it's taken a little longer, but also like I see it coming together now and it feels good. So I'm I'm inclined to think that 
the pacing ended up being right. And they just, they knew what they were dealing with in the sense of pandemic stuff. Yeah. I, I feel like there were a lot of things outside of their control that took place. There's a lot of things that were within their control and there's some stuff that's just like, you know, um, people that came through the dojo that they anticipated to be bigger stars and get on bigger than they actually ever did. Um, that combined with tragedies and talents that didn't make it talents that passed away. Um, and then the changing landscape between AEW and new Japan's or AEW and WWE's rises. I feel like there's a lot of just different things that took place that sort of prevented that post Okada generation from being slotted and placed like they should be. And yeah, I feel like that resulted in a generation of wrestlers that were very good, very talented and utility players, but just weren't top draw stars and probably won't be. And now we're looking at a whole new generation of guys to kind of fill that role. Yeah. Uh, pretty much agree with you guys. I think the pandemic definitely hurt a lot of plans for the guys coming back and the guys that did come back and, I think we have the opportunity now to, yeah, this new crop of guys to really push them and kind of create some the stars that we need. Uh, next question here from Kill Goal: What NJPW wrestler could beat a bear in a fight? I don't know of any. Mas- masked horse. <laughs> uh, what, what about Mask Bolton? It's possibly. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I, I would. No one's beating a bear. Bears are one of my greatest fears in life. <laughs> how big is the bear yeah how big is the bear if it's a baby bear it's different but then you, you probably got the mama bear right you know. i'm assuming <laughs> that this is no holds barred with the full-grown male bear mama which... mama bear is the second she's 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 coming in she's doing a run in <laughs> uh next question from lee chang is bay two should new japan be worried about the recent ajpw wwe collaboration for those who don't know uh, William Regal's son, uh, Charles Charles Dempsey, Chris Dempsey, whatever his name is. Charlie Dempsey. Charlie Dempsey. You can tell I don't watch NXT. Why is he not Regal? <laughs> uh, he's challenging. What are we doing? He's challenging for the Triple Crown uh, Championship. Because um, he has a different mom, and they weren't married. Get out of here. <laughs> um, I'm not. I. It sucks, sort of for all japan but this has been on the table for all japan for a long time so and it goes back to when akiyama was there and akiyama desperately wanted there to be a partnership here so um and just the connection to regal actually makes it less alarming to me because then it's regal pushing his kid and saying you got to go to japan and you know he probably did the the conversation with triple h or Shawn michaels whoever whoever and said like this could be really good for him it's kind of neat maybe we can bridge a you know build a bridge with with all japan and you know maybe there's something that happens there um but i'm not worried about it in relation to new japan i'm more worried about it in relation to the perception of all japan which was really on the rise and hopefully continues to be that way because i think when there's another really kind of strong pro wrestling company doing things kind of straight laced or you know at least the way that you know we we recognize as being kind of classic for J- Japanese pro wrestling, I think that's good. So um, I'm hopeful that they can continue that, even if there is some sort of odd you know collaboration with All Japan. I, I don't want to be someone that puts my head in the sand too much, but I just 
I personally, it's my personal speculation. I don't think it's a partnership. I think it's just like William Regal wanting a favor from Triple H or Sean to get his kid over to Japan to do some Japan, to do a big Japan show and uh, them being like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. And that's it. I think that's the, and I'm not saying it couldn't develop into something, but I really just get the vibe that that's literally all this is. I don't see it very different from like when Kenta went to Japan and worked, uh, you know, the Noah anniversary show for uh, fucking what's his name? Marafuji. And also to the very similarly, they sent um, Shinsuke Nakamura over. Wrestle the great Muta. There wasn't much more to that. I mean, obviously, he went to the Hall of Fame, but that was kind of a, a joint deal there. So, we've kind of seen these one off things um, in this kind of Triple H era regime being a little bit more open and doing stuff like that. So, as of right now, yeah, I'm not concerned about it either. I think it's a one off favor for Regal. Best bout Nakamura and Muto. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it meant something. Um, I was more worried when it was Noah and Noah was on the rise. Yeah. Um, like all Japan's on the rise, but they're they're not they're not quite pulling the numbers that Noah was at that time. So then uh last question here from uh Kitsune Metal Goddess uh says Abushi tweeted on twelve twenty three that the outgoing president had too many issues and something about sexual harassment issues. Sorry, I'm using Google Translate. Is there any truth? Two directing two directors stepping down on a Saturday seems really strange. Chris? <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna go on the Google Translate rant again. Um I I'm not. I it go back to whenever the last time I was on. Um there's I mean I, I don't think the Saturday thing is strange because I think you're working with Japanese holidays and by holidays I mean like the two weeks between Christmas and January third. Um so I think that they wanted to make the move at that time. Um, and that was the right day to do it. As for Ibushi, you know, like it's been such an erratic, wild situation. And who the fuck knows? Like it, it's that. Like I don't know anything more than anybody else. Um, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just seems it's also weird. I mean, not not necessarily the president move or the director thing, like, but the the whole Ibushi situation has been so odd that it's hard to speculate which side that's coming from. Yeah, again, it, yeah, or both. Who knows what Abushi's thinking or doing or what he actually means? Who he's talking about for sure? And I don't know. There's there's so much kind of muddled in that whole what happened with Abushi and New Japan management and office and. There, there could be truth. There could be no truth. It's hard to know because we we don't talk to Ibushi. <laughs> that's not one of the wrestlers that that's sliding in our DMs. And even if it was, we probably wouldn't understand what the heck he's saying. So, um, yeah. What are we doing for next week? Because the fourth and the fifth is Thursday and Friday. Are we recording next week or are we? Just, what's happening? I don't that's know. A, that's what we literally talked about <laughs> before we recorded. Yeah, but I. I didn't look at the calendar, so I didn't know. <laughs> like, what's happening? Are we so, doing a show or no? You guys yeah. should tell the people what you're doing. Yeah, so, like, uh, if you're a long-time listener, you know that we traditionally do a quote-unquote kind of instant reaction after Wrestle Kingdom slash New Year's Dash. So, 
Wrestle Kingdom is on a Thursday next week. So as of right now, the plan would there, there will not be a show that drops on Wednesday. We'll record either after Wrestle Kingdom or New Year's Dash. So either Thursday or Friday, we'll record, drop our kind of instant show. And that's when next week's episode will happen. That's all I want to know, Jeremy. You made me look like I didn't know what the fuck's going on on my own show. Like, whatever. Well, you, I mean, you, you kind of do. So it doesn't, he you made cover, you look like what you are. You cover for me. You, 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 were, you didn't seem to be trying to cover for yourself. We're about to turn the button off. You could have asked him afterwards, but it's, it's probably good that your fans know where to find you. I think the people need to know. The people need to know. Yes. Talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you uh, for joining us. Go ahead and get Wait, your... before we do that, I got a match of the week. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, so I think... <laughs> <laughs> you could tell a uh, real, real tight operation around here. I think we should watch Mascara Dorada versus Rocky Romero from CMLL on 12-15-2023. One of the highest rated matches of the year we haven't watched it yet we haven't talked about it i think we should talk about it next week even though we're covering wrestling it's good and that's my my pick and rocky looked great in his santa pirate costume thing that he was rocking on bro i didn't see it yet. you're spoiling it you got it no that's not oh you mean his post on the twitter yeah yeah on 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 the twitter machine it's a good it was a vibe so uh my plugs i guess i i'm at the Chris Sampson on Twitter. Um, I will be, if you listen to other new Japan pro wrestling podcasts this week, there's a pretty good chance we will meet again. Tell so, us where you're going. Um, Jesus. Okay. You want, you want the whole calendar? Pull, pull up your, well, your outlook calendar. The, yeah, the people need to know. The people need to know. Uh, let's see today. I'm on keeping it strong style. got a couple of days off. I will then Friday. I will have, um, uh, hoping to connect with the Okada shorts guys. I'll be on Speaking of Strong Style and I believe the Countout podcast. And then, so Friday's Friday's big day. And then, what is this? Oh, Friday morning, I'm also with Zach Haydorn. He's at SE Scoops now. I don't know if his podcast is with SE Scoops, but I'll be there. I'm doing, and it looks like I'll have full stats and info up probably around the 2nd. I'll have a bunch of tweets going out. Maybe as we're speaking, I think I scheduled a bunch of stat tweets for the end of 2023. So keep an eye out for that. And it looks like next, my, my, uh, my tour is going to end with, uh, Wednesday afternoon. It looks like I'm going to be on with Pollock and Thurston again on post wrestling. So, um, I don't know if that made any sense to anyone. I don't know when any of those podcasts are actually going to get uploaded either, but that is my personal calendar. You're you're doing stuff with post wrestling. I'm gonna. It looks like I'm gonna be on with Pollock and Thurston on Wednesday. Yeah. Are you doing stuff with POW? That's the plan right now. Is for my full stats and info to go up on the VoicesOfWrestling.com website. You gotta choose a side, brother. I I am uh, a neutral party, pal. (laughs) I got I got friends in every office, including the ones across the seas. Speaking of speaking of strong style, I don't like that they got a uh, New Japan podcast with the name Strong Style. We are the first hosted by somebody named Jeremy. This is yeah, we stole the the name Strong Style first. You can't steal the name that we stole after we already stole it. It's not right. They're really nice though. I really like talking to them. So they 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 do share our stuff a lot. They are they are pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, being 
nice gets you pretty far. Trust me. We're not mean. It's, it's worked for me so far. I the just, only like, thing that I still can't understand is David Bixen's been blocked us years ago and has never unblocked us. And he's never explained why when people have asked. I, and not, I don't even know the guy, but he breaks news. So it'd be nice to see what the news is sometimes. But that's only, that's only person. I'm not, I'm not here for your Twitter and drama, pal. That's, that's the Twitter drama. You need to I'm not. Know, I'm not. I'm not here for it. I'm here for stats and info. If you and, talk to David, just be like, "Why you block them?" I don't think I've ever talked to Dave. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Him. Maybe very briefly, but yeah. If, no. I, I will say this: whatever we got blocked for, I'm sure I did it. Oh, I have no yeah, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a question, Josh. <laughs> it's not a question anyone's asked. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to uh, wrap things up for us here this week. Uh, Next week, like we said, we'll be back to review Wrestle Kingdom 18 and probably also New Year's Dash. Make sure you go out and vote in our year end awards. Also, make sure you check out our interview with uh, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo and check out the uh, the FOH draft as well. Uh, So check out all the recommended five dollar donation fee that's right uh payhip.com slash social suplex go ahead hit that up as well and yeah make sure you also leave us a rating and review you can check connect with the show on social media on x we are at ki strong style you can follow me at jeremy l donovan on facebook we are facebook.com slash social suplex you can follow us on instagram at social suplex also at ki strong style on x on Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Just keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Tumowitz. Imps WWE Adventure with the implications Matthew Mayer. Wrestling Art with Chris Lings. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style. The ace of podcasts. Merry Christmas. We'll catch you guys next year. Itchy Bob. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.